Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. I, did, I don't take that. I don't take anything. I don't take vaccinations. I don't do any, any of that stuff. The question that maybe a guy should be asking yourself is, rather than should I be running to a therapy as to why is your testosterone low? Maybe you should take off your shoes. Maybe you should stop ruining your health wearing shoes that are putting your feet in an unnatural position and keeping you from being grounded. Maybe you should stop eating soy and processed foods and look at a job that makes you get out and work rather than just being around and sitting sedentary all the time. I think guys need to get out and be more masculine. Pick up some hobbies, get out around other men and stop spending so much time on the computer. Clean up your diet. Get a fitness, a fitness regime. You don't have to go to a gym. Just do some basic calisthenics, push-ups, lift a heavy rock. But it uh, seems to me that taking a therapy is not the solution. Just get back to masculine work. And uh, I think a guy might be surprised what happens. My, my message to everybody I talk to is play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. That turn, that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun, and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Sleek has. I just think as a society, we always talk about how men are awkward, but I think women, we're just as awkward. We just get away with it because, you know, we're like pretty and stuff. So the guys, guys don't even care if you're awkward, but okay. So women filter out and below six foot. That is the most common pick on the dating apps is they just, so if I was a dude. The past week, I'm Matt Boyland. New polling out of Australia showed the country's Prime Minister had lost the support of the people. The first national news poll conducted since Anthony Albanese splashed over $300 million on a failed referendum shows the PM's approval rating has slumped to its lowest point since taking the job in May last year. According to the latest poll, 52% of respondents are now unhappy with the PM's performance, up six points since the last poll was conducted before the national vote on October 14. Albanese's lead over the country's opposition leader as preferred Prime Minister has also narrowed, shrinking to the smallest margin since the election. The slumping polls highlighting just how damaging the referendum defeat and continuing cost of living pressures have been to the Prime Minister and his Labor government. Speaking with Sky News on Monday, Nationals leader David Littleproud said the numbers reflect the way the Prime Minister has treated his people. There's a big lesson here for the Prime Minister that he's out of step with the Australian people. Uh, he misread the nation, he put in place a divorce a referendum that cost $450 million uh, and effectively uh, has now seen that he's divided the country and all he's done is he's driven up Australians' cost of living and Australians uh, invariably changed their position when it's been bled out of their wallets. Right. I think there's, there's a deep frustration by the Australian people that the Prime Minister focuses his energy on uh, the voice rather than the cost of living pressures that Australians are feeling. Everything's going up and Anthony Albanese hasn't been focused on what's important to the Australian people. Also making news this week, Israel's heritage minister sparked global outrage after suggesting his country should drop a nuke on Gaza. The hawkish remarks igniting fury within the Israeli government, with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu swiftly moving to suspend the minister.
And the father of Hollywood star Angelina Jolie, John Voight, released a video publicly scolding his daughter for condemning Israel's bombardment of Gaza. The Oscar-winning actress, who has served as a special ambassador for the UN's High Commissioner for Refugees for the past 20 years, hit out at Israel last week for engaging in what she said was the deliberate bombing of a trapped population. But her father disagrees, going public to air his disappointment. Gosh, that's old news, isn't it? It's uh, five past five. Good morning, Grant Edwards here with the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me. We, the problem with the TNT Radio News is that on Monday morning all we're getting is weekend repeats. They don't sort of actually come to life until Tuesday being in the Northern Hemisphere. We'll be back with weather and uh, we'll have a look at New Zealand newspapers as well in just a moment. And this is why we keep going back to responsibility. The responsibility of having that child without the authority over it it's not a fair deal for men. It's the same thing with women, having the responsibility of looking after a woman, but not any authority over her, that it's not, it's not a fair deal. And so my question is, can we really blame the men for not wanting to date single mothers? Can we really blame the men for not wanting to date older women and all the problems that come with it. I personally think no. And I think we should really warn younger women that if you get pregnant, you've really made your bed and your chance of having a successful relationship after being a single mother it is low. Because one, men aren't gonna wanna date you. And even if they do, it comes with these type of problems. Woo. Well, well, yeah, I tell you what, she won't win any friends. Apparently, even YouTube want to get rid of her. They don't like Pearl because she speaks too much truth and she's not woke. Oh, I like it. Okay, let's have a look at the, the first of all, the extreme writer over the country here. You wouldn't believe it. Dunedin, 18 and a half degrees at the moment. That's the highest temperature at four minutes past five. Uh, Eastern Rangatiki, Rangataiki, I should say, minus, no, not minus. They're low. It's 3.9. Windiest place, Castle Point, 59 kilometres of wind per hour that is and Milford is the wettest it's really pouring down in Milford at the moment 10.7 millimetres of rain looking across the main centre Stewart Islands on 10 degrees in Vicargill 12 Dunedin of course to 18 and a half the Chatham Islands 13 uh, well, Queenstown it's very warm in the South Island 11 degrees at the moment along with France Joseph Timbaroo's on 10 along with Christchurch Westport 13 Nelson 15 and that's Blenheim as well and across the north to the North Island there we've got Wellington 13 degrees Marston there you are, John Ansell. I told you, Wellington 13, Masterton 6. It's the lowest in the whole country, in the North Island anyway. Masterton, it's a cold hole. I told you that. He went to Masterton Boys or something. He reckoned it was always lovely there. No, no, it might, might, might be lovely, but it's always cold normally. Um, anyway, th- 6 degrees. Good grief. Look look at that. Palmerston North, 14 degrees. New Plymouth's on 13. Napier's 11, along with Taupo. Rotorua's a bit chilly there this morning. So how can we have 11 in Taupo and 7 degrees in Rotorua? I don't know. Christ, what a, I was going to say Christchurch. No, <laughs> don't say that. Gisborne, 9 degrees. Hamilton's also there with 9. Tauranga, 12. Auckland, 15. A bit warmer and it's dipped off. It's quite cold in Whangarei and Kaitaia at the moment. 9 and 8 degrees. The short forecast for all of the North Island except for the Manawatu to Kapiti. Mostly cl- fine weather with some morning cloud in the west. 
For Manawatu, Horofanua and uh, Horowenua and also Kapiti, cloudy periods with a few showers near the ranges. Nelson, Marlborough and Canterbury, high cloud increasing and scattered showers developing in Nelson this evening. For Buller and Westland, mostly cloudy, a few showers turning to rain with heavy falls in Westland. Fjordland, rain, oh boy, rain with heavy falls and thunderstorms are possible as well, easing to a few showers in the late afternoon. For Otago to Southland, rain becoming persistent in Southland and Queenstown Lakes this morning and then easing to a few showers in the afternoon and spreading elsewhere. Thunderstorms possible this afternoon in Dunedin. And finally for the Chathams. Just a lovely place, isn't it? The Chathams, cloudy periods. Can't wait to go for a sail over there. Seb's going to take me over. Okay, extended forecast for tomorrow for the North Island. Occasional rain in the west with some heavy falls. Supposed to be getting the sheep shorn this week, but the shearers put me off until next week. So then it'll probably be a gale or something, probably terrible wind, and then it'll be put off another week. Uh, anyway, cloudy periods for the North Island on Tuesday. Elsewhere, it's going to be the odd shower. In the South Island tomorrow, showers and rain in the west, south and south. Possibly heavy at times, mainly fine elsewhere. Wednesday for the North Island, scattered showers in the west, cloudy periods in the east. In the South Island, showers in the west and south. And it's going to be becoming isolated. So that's good. So not so much showers and occasional rain and, sh- and showers elsewhere. Looking ahead to Thursday in the North Island, partly cloudy with isolated showers in the west. For the South Island on Thursday, rain developing in the west and possibly heavy falls. High cloud elsewhere. Now for Friday in the north, way, way to the right up to the to the very um, to the end of the week. We have got scattered showers, mainly from Taranaki to Taupo to the East Cape northwards and also about Kapiti and Wellington. Fine and with high cloud elsewhere. Look at that. South Island on Fridays is going to have rain. Rain in the west and south with possibly heavy falls spreading elsewhere later. Easing in the south. Chatham Islands, your long-range forecast. Cloudy periods with isolated showers Thursday. Fresh northeasterlies changing to southwest for a time Wednesday, right through until Thursday. There we are. That is uh, news and weather, news from TNT, and a bit of weather from me. We'll come back and have a look at the front pages of the Fankstream Media at 8 past 7. Sleek uh, house. 8 past the, the, 5. Sleek house. I just think as a society, we always talk about how men are awkward, but I think women, were just as awkward. We just get away with it. Because, you know, we're, like, pretty and stuff. So the guys guys don't even care if you're awkward. But, okay. So, women filter out and below six foot. That is the most common pick on the dating apps. Is they just... So if I was a dude, I would lie. I would lie on dating apps. I would absolutely lie. Because the thing is, he is right. Women will date shorter. But it, the shorter guys kind of have to have something to make up for it. But the issue with trad cons is I just think a lot of trad cons are, are a bit oblivious to just how picky women are. That's uh, that's her opinion anyway. Now, let, before we go to the fake stream media, let's have a look at the fake government. NewZealandHistory.gov.nz is where you find this stuff. On this day, the 13th of November in 1896, Mount Tongariro erupted at 20 to 1 on this day. Uh, they call it Timari. That's a crater at the northern end of the um, wrong, 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 what is it? The Tongariro Range. It erupted spectacularly, apparently, and uh, it con- it continued to erupt sporadic- sporadically for around about another year. Now, also on this fateful day in 1990, 13 people were shot dead at Aramoana, small seaside township in Aramoana near Dunedin, was the scene of what was then the deadliest mass murder of New Zealand history. Of course, that's been trumped by the 2019 
Um, a parent uh, could be, we're not sure what that was, but certainly a lot of people died. We know that for sure. Uh, also, might not have been quite as many people that we're not sure. We're not sure. We don't know. But if you want to know something, there's actually Samantha Edwards reports. She's got her latest documentary film. It's out at Counterspin Media. You can find that at counterspinmedia.com, and it's called The Christchurch Mosque Attacks, The Cover-Up continues. Uh, On March the 15th, 2019, it was a shocking, tragic day, one that many New Zealanders remember as our darkest days. It trumped uh, what happened on this day in 1990 at Aramoana, doesn't it? The official record shows that the Australian citizen Brenton Tarrant killed 51 people and wounded 40 others when he carried out a mass shooting at a two-day, at a two, sorry, not two-day, I'll just have a quick cough. At two Christchurch mosques. Now it was the it was the Masjid uh, and Nur on Dean's Avenue and the Linwood Islamic mosques. So apologies to any Islamic people out there listening, uh, as I mashed up that pronunciation. Never mind, never mind. Uh, since then, the complete prohibition of viewing and analysing the shooter's manifesto, not even allowed to look at that, which is absolutely ridiculous, goes against the um, Bill of Rights, if you ask me. And also the live stream video of the day have seen several people facing grave criminal charges and even imprisonment. The laws they are using to cover up this and censorship uh, are the censorship laws. These are the ones that were prim- primarily designed to stop child pornography but that's the trouble you see that's what happens they pr- they bring in these laws like they've got they're bringing ones in to stop the gangs apparently can't, they can't stop the gangs we've got enough laws to stop gangs but they're going to bring in sort of new laws and all that does is they just use it against ordinary New Zealanders uh, that they don't like you know that might be saying things or writing things they don't like and that gives them the, the police just they can just get, go in and ransack your house uh, under these new laws so it's all designed to take away our freedoms anyway so Samantha she spoke with the producer of the film that uh, tells the story of one such Kiwi man Nathan Symington who had recently been sentenced to an extensive time in prison for sharing links to two websites that investigate uh, the event Counterspin Media's Calvin Alp, Calvin and Hannah Alp, as well as other members of the uh, the Counterspin team, are also currently being threatened with 14 years imprisonment, as well as up to $600,000 in fines for similar actions, even possessing uh, and copying of the web link, the URL. Just having that uh, online copies can result in 10 years imprisonment. Just a link. It's just crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. There are many overseas websites that have analysed the shooter's writings and videos, and including these in analytical investigative documentaries. While legal to do so in their countries, New Zealanders are subject to extremely harsh penalties. Harsh. Even getting harsher sentences than rapists and people actually possessing child pornography. Why is our government responding in such an extreme manner? Why are they completely forbidden to share any of the information about that day? Why is it? And why are they using such outrageous measures of intimidation to silence all informed discussion? And why are those who share something as humble as a web link being sentenced to lengthier prison sentences than any violent criminals? Well, many. And does the New Zealand government have something to hide? If it looks like a cover-up, <laughs> smells like one, then you can decide. It's probably a cover-up. 14 minutes past five, we'll be back in a moment with more fake stream media. And 
This is why we keep going back to responsibility, the responsibility of having that child without the authority over it. It's not a fair deal for men. It's the same thing with women, having the responsibility of looking after a woman, but not any authority over her. That it's not, it's didn't not she, a didn't fair we have that before? deal. And repeat. so my question is, can we really blame the men for not wanting to date single mothers? Can we really blame the men for not wanting to date older women and all the problems that come with it. I personally think no. And I think we should really warn younger women that if you get pregnant, you've really made your bed and your chance mm -hmm. of having a successful relationship after being a single mother it is low. Because one, men aren't going to want to date you. And even if they do, it comes with these type of problems. I'll say, yeah, well, she's right, girl. So you just keep, you know, keep your pants on <laughs> and just say no. They'll respect you more. Just say no. No, 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 no way, fella. That's what you say to them, girls. It's up to you. Okay, before we go to the real fake stream, I'm actually beginning to think that the Farmers Weekly, you can find that at farmersweekly.co.nz. We'll have a look at the rural rural news um, here at quarter past five on the uh, Liberty NZ Breakfast here with me, Grant Edwards, your host, until seven o'clock. First of all, new Otago maps will help identify natural hazards. Oh, you're right. Uh, High-res mapping of 3,935 square kilometres of land in central Otago. And then Fonterra, so this is more rubbish. I don't know why these... I, I'm beginning to think that the government maybe, or probably the deep state, which is the um, bureaucracies within uh, Wellington there, that the that people that are hired without, you know, they just basically, we have all these people, many of them come from the United Nations, many of them are leftists, and they, they give advice to whoever's in power, doesn't matter, these are unelected officials, and they're the ones that are basically um, writing, the, um, writing the policy, and it's all United Nations stuff, 2030 agenda, 2021, all this whiff stuff, all that, just, just absolute rubbish, so here we are, Fonterra, I just can't believe that people will go along with this rubbish, I suppose we all just sort of follow like leanings over the cliff, don't we? Just follow Fonterra's ambitious on-farm targets met with cautious support. They should just reject it outright, farmers. You should just say, no, it's a load of rubbish. We're not having anything to do with it. And listen to this. But perhaps rethink the Scope 3. That's the name. They're not happy with Scope 3. What's that? Like a rifle scope, I suppose. They don't like the name of it. But I'll tell you what's more scary. 2030. Says here, and uh, named in the 2030 goals, says, says farmer. So well, that's just one farmer anyway. But 2030, there you are. It's agenda 2030. Hello. So we've got evaluating green claims. Oh, this is all this more rubbish. Only a full picture paints a thousand words. Balance agri-nutrients science and strategy manager Warwick Cato. He unpacks the ethical obligations of ecological reporting. Just more rubbish. Planet over profit. No, no, rubbish planet. We don't live on a planet. Okay, man, this is the, uh, well, we've got a really good story here. I like this one. This is the kids, and uh, they've turned this, they've turned rural um, sort of activities on the farm into sport, which is brilliant. And it's called Agri Futures Clash of the Colleges, and it takes centre stage at the New Zealand Agricultural Show, which starts on Wednesday, as far as I know. Agri Futures Clash of the Colleges is an initiative of the New Zealand Rural Games Trust. And it's set to take stage at the New Zealand Agricultural Show in Christchurch Wednesday. That's this week. More than 300 students from 11 schools from Timaru to Hamner Springs are gearing up to compete in the two rounds of competition aimed at honouring their, um, sorry, honing their skills and embracing the excitement of rural sport. I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, events feature a wide array of modules sponsored by leading industry players. Daniel O'Regan, he's the general manager of Agri Futures.
said AgriFutures is all about fostering the next generation uh, interested in agriculture and primary industries. And so he, he goes on there, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, so this year's Canterbury, um, the Canterbury Clash of the Colleges includes uh, intermediate students opening up new horizons for even younger participants to explore rural careers and sports. The enthusiasm of these budding athletes promises to add an extra layer of excitement to the event. Now, participating schools are St Andrews College, hello to you, Hamner Springs School, Burnham School, Craighead Diocesan School, Dartfield High School, um, Ellesmere College, Ashburton College, or Te well, I always have trouble with the Murray names. I, don't, I never used to. Or Tiwiti, that'll do it, that'll do. Unlimited Discovery, Christ College, Oxford Area School, and Beaconsfield School. And it kicks off Wednesday, as I've said. Um, it's at the showgrounds in Christchurch, starts at 10 o'clock. And these are some of the modules, they're really funny. Um, it's got tree identification. So there's a competition on this. That's brought to you by New Zealand Wood Council. Then you've got muscle float tying. <laughs> That's with Young Fish. That's obviously an organisation called Young Fish. Primary Industries with the Equipment ID. And then you've got Geographic Distribution of New Zealand with MPI. So these are all sort of competitions. And then you've got a, a module TBC by Future Foresters. Artificial insemination, they'll be up to their armpits in that one, brought to you by <laughs> CRV. And then first response with St. John's, so these are all things. And wool classing by PGG. You're gonna get, it's competition, great. Handset set up, so you get your handpiece. They're going to set that up. That's Acto, that's the company there that's bought that. They're sponsoring that. And then sheep body condition scoring, another one there. I'm not sure who's sponsoring that. And then all tied up at the Rake Master Challenge by New Zealand Ab, as, as they call it Abra, like Aberist, Agricultural Association. Then they've got the Gumboot Toss with the New Zealand Boot Throw Association. A fencing tie-off with Fencing Contractors New Zealand. A wool fadge race. I'm not sure what that's about. Ear tagging. See, that's all good, isn't it? You know, these are all useful skills and they've turned it into a sport. Quad bike tire change with Telford and Southern Institute of Technology. And it kicks off. At, now, the intermediates, they start, well, starts at 10, but the, the actual timetable is the intermediate clash that begins at about 20 past 10. And then around about 12 o'clock, they'll have the prize giving for the intermediates. And then after lunch, at around about uh, half past Half past 12, you've got the secondary school clash, and that's going to begin. And they'll have prize giving, giving around about half past or, you know, 25 past uh, 2 in the afternoon. That's the secondary school prize giving. Now, this marks the third clash of the college's event in 2023, following successful editions of in Auckland and Palmerston North. So by the end of these events, approximately 600 students will have taken part in 2023. 23. That's just absolutely fabulous. More news shortly, 26 past five. There's a large amount of Nazis in the Ukraine, and they actually killed my whole family. I'm from the Ukraine, and they marched my entire family, grandmother, great-grandparents, oh, look, ten yeah, siblings, look. out into the forest and buried them alive in the Ukraine. So well, Austin well, is on those Rosa, soldiers on. The president in the news. The himself is Jewish, so obviously he is de facto not a Nazi. Because the guy's a Jew doesn't mean he likes Jews or that he's doing anything good for the Jews. 
Yeah, that's right. That, that's right. That's Roseanne Barr. They, of course, they think she's nuts. She does sound a little nutty, but I don't think she is. I think they're making a making a sound nutty, and that's exactly right. Just because the guy's a Jew doesn't mean to say that he's pro-Jew. I mean, look at John Key. He's supposed to be a Jew. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. And then you've got the Antichrist. He'll be a Jew, guarantee it. But they're not going to be the sort of Jews that you want. They're bad Jews, actually. They're naughty Jews, and because most Jews are pretty good, good Jews. I believe, I do believe that. I think they're the most intelligent people in the world, especially those Ashkenazi Jews. They've got the highest IQ in the world, higher than the Asians. That's because God's blessed them with absolute brilliance. Okay, now we're back still with Farmers Weekly and the build-up to the Canterbury show. That's, uh, yes, yes, that is. Now, they had a big auctioneers thing that happened just a few days ago, the biggest field to date, and the promising sales, uh, you know, auctioneers, they are, blabbering away there. I love auctioneering. I love the Americans, the way they do it. I just love it. They call for the bid they want, not the bid they've got. The Poms, you know, the English, they, the British, all of them, you know, got the whole lot. Or in that side, the United Kingdom, they call for the bid they've got, which is, you know, when you've got the bid, why are you calling out? <laughs> call for the bid you want. I love that. So the build-up to the Canterbury Show week has begun with the Heartland Bank Young Auctioneers competition held with the Prime Cat competition just love it go on youtube and have a look at some of these auctioneers and i tell you what um it starts on tuesday by the way this thing here they've got 13 young auctioneers from around new zealand they all took part uh hang on that might have been oh gosh i'm looking at old news gosh why do you put old news on the front page anyway so that's good but look just talking about auctions the go on youtube and have a look at the um what are those the religious ones that have the the mustache shaved off they've got the beard and the hat Quakers, not Quakers, is another name for them. It's the names just sort of slipped out of my brain there. Thoughts are like leaves with me, you know, they just like the wind catches them, blows them away, and I think, where did that one go? I don't know. Anyway, so, um, yeah, auctioneering, I love it. I love it. I would, I would have loved to have been an auctioneer. I reckon I could do it. <laughs> of course I could. You know I could. Okay, so anyway, we'll be back in a tick uh, because I think that's rounded up. I think we've just about done to death, haven't we, Farmers Weekly? They haven't really got anything new. I'm reading old stuff now. So, yeah, so that's it for the farmers. So, all right, you boys out there, you get the music. Get something nice going on the wireless. A bit of country music makes those cows milk a bit better. Uh, that's my advice to you anyway, so um, perhaps, perhaps what I might do is um, maybe I'll start at six one day. When I retire, perhaps, you know, when I'm about 90, so you'll have a while to wait. But when I'm old and, you know, can't work anymore, I will, um, Lord willing, if I get to that age, hope I do. I hope I do. I'd like to be 150, actually. I aim in my mind to be 150 when I, you know, like at least get to 150. And if you do that and you think positively... You might, you know, you might live into your 90s, mightn't you? So you can't think negatively, you know, so it's very important to think positively about things. Very important indeed. We'll be back with Radio New Zealand in just a moment if I can find it. Charlie, turn to where are you? Here we go. Can you name any rights men have today that women don't? Any rights that men have that women do not? Any? That's a good question. Rights that men have that women do not know? No. So then, what laws are feminists fighting for? Listen to the mouth on it. Shit, that's a good one. Shit, that's a good one. Gosh, who'd want to marry you? You foul mouth. We're going to wash your mouth out. If we if we talk like that when we were kids, we'd have our mouth washed out with soap. And we really did, truthfully. They'd wash it out just to teach you a lesson. You never forget it. 
Never forget something like that. All right, we're over at Radio New Zealand. It's 25 past five. You're listening to Grant Edwards on the Liberty NZ Breakfast Program. I hope you're uh, enjoying what's on offer. <laughs> With a, uh, okay. A media watch. Are the Irish twice as rich as us? Now, uh, this is the front page for Radio New Zealand. You'll find them at rnz.co.nz. A business lobby group is urging New Zealand to emulate Ireland. Ireland. And uh, that's all in Ireland there. Places like Fennec. Fennec. I think Fennet, that's one. My son was over there on a fishing boat there. I said, why don't you go and jump on a fishing boat for a bit of fun? Because he's in between um, cruise ships, because he's a he's an officer cadet type of thing. He's not now. He's fully qualified now, second officer. But back then, back during, just before the COVID, actually, before the pandemic hit, and I said, go and, go and get on a fishing boat and see how, and he said he loved it. He loved it, and they loved him as well. It's great because you're working with real men, you know, fishermen. And you know, Jesus Christ didn't go to the religious people, did he? He went to fishermen. <laughs> he did. Something about fish. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. That's what he said he'll make you. Um, okay, so anyway, so are we, they say, apparently Ireland's got the GDP twice as big as ours. Um, but the GDP picture, is it warped? I'll just have a quick look at that because it's interesting because we've got the same GDP as them, I think, from back in 1990. They had a GDP of the same as ours. Incoming government wants to grow the economy and attract more foreign investment. Leading business lobby group is urging us to emul- emulate Ireland, and uh, which had a GDP the same size as ours 30 years ago, but now has a GDP twice as big. The statistics are sobering. But is it the full picture now? Oh, this is a podcast, so go over to rnz.co.nz and you can have a look at it. One of the areas there may be may have to be compromises between the parties forming a new government is economic policy. New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters' views on the economy, international trade and foreign investment predate Rogernomics. Um, so that, and he's staunchly opposed to neoliberal views held sacred by the Thatcherite ideologies within the business community. Luxon-led National Party and the ACT Party, that was according to Gordon Campbell, and he wrote that article in Scoop, which is scoop.co.nz. He's a columnist for them. Okay, so that's the story there. Fancy being that far behind Ireland. Child attacked while leaving Auckland protest. Auckland uh, police have arrested a man after a child was hit in the head with a shovel. Really, yeah, a shovel as he was leaving the protest at Auckland's Aotea Square on Sunday. Good grief. And it's been a disaster, hasn't it? A disaster, the, the Trump's f- fraud trial. Just a inter- election interference, if you like. They're trying to stop a candidate from, from getting ahead. Uh, this week, it marked the end of the most dramatic phase of the former US president's business fraud trial, which is just a, a rubbish, nonsense thing. And um, it's uh, they've just... Uh, Unbelievable, actually. This week, Trump's defence team will begin uh, presenting their side of the story. And some nice news here. Let's go over to um, back in New Zealand here. Why shops brand is a rural rustic and totally exploiting my mother's talents? But it sounds terrible, but it's actually quite good. A a vintage photograph of a little girl, Molly Mabel, sits uh, above a rack of a pint-sized traditional wool jumpers, booties and beanies in a Hunterville shop. Who was Molly? Well, the store owner, she's a lovely lady and she's knitting. So she was, um, there's a photograph there of five-year-old Molly sitting on the shelf. And uh, so the photo of Molly was taken perhaps a century ago. And it props up proudly in the corner of her, um, well, it's propped up rather, by that's her grand, granddaughter. Her name is Kelsey Smith. That's her shop in Hunterville. Uh, the township in the middle of the Rangatiki uh, sheep 
the country area. Uh, if you're not careful, you might bump into a, a full life-sized um, statue of a sheep in the main street. You have to be careful there. And uh, so nine years ago, she decided to honour her grandmother by putting Molly's name on her children's clothing label, which features pure New Zealand wool. Molly was a great cook. That's, that's her grandma. Uh, but um, Molly's daughter, Renee Rutherford, who had the secret talent, which is basically knitting. And um, so they've been knitting away, and they're, they're doing so well selling off this beautiful wool uh, that they in the store they've got little babies, baby stuff, and uh, so now those kids have started to grow up. Apparently, it's sold really well, so now they're sort of knitting bigger thing, bigger sort of garments for the for the public, and you know people from all over the country are going there to Hunterville, and it's called the Hunterville Village Bookstore, and uh, it hosts Stitch and Yarn Group. That's what they do there. They've got about from that ten year olds to eight year olds they gather in the evening to knit and crochet and uh, apparently they need more knitters and there's a lovely photograph there of Molly when she was little the little five year old looks like about 1920s with a little 20s hat and that's that nice wee story so that's good isn't it so that's something that's booming away there now what else have we got on the re- oh you Dame Jacinda Ardern Christchurch Call nasty Dame Jacinda where they call her now Christchurch Call grows but where are Meta and, and Google so we've got, uh, what does it say about them? Um, Dame Jacinda Ardern, world-leading Christchurch call, which aims to stop violent extremism online. Right, you're sure it is. It's designed to censor ordinary New Zealanders, actually ordinary people all over the world. It's just designed to, it's designed to, to stop you talking about your, gov- your corrupt governments. That's what it's designed for. Um, but they've grown. They've, the, um, the co-chair is President, um, French President Emmanuel Macron, and he's been criticising the media giants Google and Meta after they failed to attend the group meeting on Friday. Advanced artificial intelligence firms Anthropic and OpenAI have joined the call alongside new online formats Discord and Vimeo, seven new specialised partner organisations and 11 new members of the Christchurch Call Advisory Network according to a statement released on Sunday. But Meta, formerly known as Facebook, and Google didn't send representatives to the meeting on Friday in Paris. Macron, speaking to the BBC after meeting, said it showed they don't pl- want to play anymore. Facebook was, they say, that Facebook was responsible for facilitating a new level of horror during New Zealand's worst mass murder in modern history. Um, well, I don't think you could blame them for that. Um, so there we are. So that's all designed to take away your freedom of speech really but they they tried to make it sound like uh something we should all get behind i don't think we should get behind that and now we've got other things happening here um the israelis they're offering to evacuate babies from crippled gaza according to radio new zealand so we might we might have a listen to rnz them it's not rnz but um might go over to um idf if i get time and see what they say 28 minutes to six and um uh, we'll have we'll read that from the horse's mouth, I think, rather than reading it filtered through the Roman Catholic RNZ newspapers. Newspapers, well, they don't have them, do they? RNZ, no, 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 they're not press. They are radio, and they are basically a, um, a propaganda arm of the government. Now, two relief aid workers for New Zealand charity have been killed when homes bombed in Gaza Strip. Well, what are you, what are you still hanging around there? I suppose it's because the... 
Hamas were keeping people there as human shields, even though Israel dropped. They, you know, flew over and dropped leaflets, you know, in the, all different languages, saying you've got to head south because we're going to take out the tunnels uh, where the terrorists have been hiding. But uh, it's very difficult because they're honeycombed. These terrorists were honeycombed in there but there, and you've got so much propaganda you've got Pallywood haven't you just go and have a look go on DuckDuckGo or something like that and uh, look up Pallywood and just look at some of those videos where they're actually just you know pretending to be in war zones and they're not and I'll guarantee you that the the, the death toll is nowhere near what is being fed out of Gaza from terrorist reporters, because that's what they're basically terrorists. Any reporter that says anything else, they'll be, they'll be dragged through the streets by their ankles. You can guarantee that. OK, um, so that's that. The relief So that's sad news about the relief workers. So some good news here. Uh, how I ended up on radio station, uh, from a radio station all the way to being... So what is he now? This is the new. This is calling home. Liam McEwen. He's in Los Angeles. He's a young New Zealander. He started off on the radio station, I think, in Devonport. Yes, I'm sure he did. Now Liam McEwen. He was interviewed. He's interviewed Ringo, uh, you know, Elton John, Miley Cyrus, Ed, and Ariana, uh, working as in the entertainment. He's an entertainment journalist in Los Angeles. But the ex-Rangitoto college student hasn't forgotten his humble beginnings working at the Flea FM in Devonport. He told the Sunday Morning Report, they called it Sunday Morning, uh, that his job, that's, I guess that's online, he would be on the radio, wasn't it? He would have been on the radio. His first job in the US was working for J14, a magazine with a teenage audience. And he's, there's a photograph of him there. And so he works with all these celebrities um, he just went over and did a cold call with them, and then he ended up working uh, working for uh, J14, just like that. Just get on the blower. That's what you've got to do, kids. Just get on the blower. Do some practice, you know, at, at phoning people. You know, do some, uh, what do you call it, role-playing. That's what I'd do with my mates. I'd be doing role-plays so that when you go, when you ring up or when you walk into an opportunity, I find walking in, presenting yourself. Uh, but this fellow's got long hair. Oh, he looks very pleasant. Nice big, nice white teeth, lovely smile, looks a bit effeminate, but you know, got the long hair, <laughs> long curly locks, looks a bit, sh- a bit woolly, uh, and you know, the Bible says long hair is a shame unto a man. That's why I can't understand all these Christians wandering, wandering around with long hair. Don't they read the Bible? Oh, that's Old Testament. No, it's not. It's New Testament. The Apostle Paul, long hair is a shame unto a man. So that's why you don't have long hair. I mean, either the Bible's what it claims to be. It says it's from the words, from the mouth of God, it says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. What's that mean? Teaching. That, you, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto good works. And so <laughs> you've got to read the Bible. If you're a Christian, what, what, that's your foundation document. But I just can't believe so many people, they go and they'll listen to people like Brian Tamaki and they'll listen to all these people, so-called prophets and so-called apostles. The last apostle was the, was the apostle Paul. That's the last apostle. There's no more apostles, no more prophets. That's not going to happen again until the tribulation period when we'll have two prophets. Not sure who they're going to be. Two prophets that will be come back to earth. They've never died. Probably Elijah. He never died. Went up in a whirlwind, a fire of fire of uh, a chariot of fire. Elijah. And then there's um, there's a few other contenders. Not sure who. We won't speculate. But they'll be there on the streets. They'll be doing all sorts of um, incredible miracles. Those two prophets, and there'll be 144,000, not the JWs. <laughs> nah, no, they're going to be 144 Jewish men. They'll be virgins as well, the Bible tells us very clearly, and they're from the 12 tribes of Israel. 
That's right, uh, Samantha. The 12 tribes, some of them might even be Ashkenazi Jews, but they'll be virgin men and they'll be, they'll be the um, evangelists and they'll be um, out witnessing to all the people that are left behind during the tribulation period when the Lord raptures the church in the age of grace. We're in the dispensation of grace right now. And the next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and First uh, Corinthians 15 and First Thessalonians chapter 4. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. It says, The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, the ones that have risen up from the dead, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, not on Mount Olive. We come back with him. The Bible says the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. And it says he's coming back. This is Jesus. He's going to take revenge. Utu. <laughs> he is. He's going to take revenge for all the Jews that have been slaughtered by wicked people and all the Christians that have been persecuted. He's going to do that on our behalf because he says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Not for us. We don't take vengeance. Oh no, it'll happen. And it says that he's returning in flaming fire with his mighty angels, taking vengeance on all those that know not God and obey not the gospel. If you took, let's say, a hyper-rich 80-year-old woman and you said, well, you give away 99% of your fortune and now you inhabit the body that you had when you were 20, and then we could add to that the possibility of being stellarly beautiful, the probability that that woman would trade everything she has for that opportunity, you know, assuming she hasn't become disenamored of life, is extraordinarily high. Yes, another thing here, 26 minutes to 6, before we leave Radio New Zealand, Spike Milligan, the uh, Spike Milligan's Bad Jelly and the Witch, turns 50 this week. And uh, the story of Bad Jelly and the Witch, uh, who, who, can, who can turn children into sausages? <laughs> he can turn policemen into apple trees and bananas into mice. How about that? He's, it's been much loved here in New Zealand. Apparently it's more popular here than it is in the UK. Bad Jelly and the Witch was the brainchild of British comedian genius Spike Milligan, who made the story for his own children. And it was first published um, in print, and Spike Milligan recorded an audio version, which became a major hit on children's radio in New Zealand, making Bad Jelly more famous than even in the UK. Now, 50 years later, Bad Jelly and the Witch is back on bookshop uh, stores, shelves, a uh, special anniversary edition. Spike Milligan's daughter, Jane Milligan, told Radio New Zealand first up, uh, she found it strange that Bad Jelly was more popular in New Zealand than elsewhere. She said um, she played on the radio, it was played on the radio every weekend in New Zealand for the whole period of time. So a lot of people became very familiar with her listening to the story as opposed to reading it. Uh, we never had that here. That's in the UK. Of course, I did. I did because he wrote, that's her father, wrote it for us as kids. Uh, but you guys over there are proper fans of Bad Jelly and the Witch, according to Jane. So there we are. That's good, isn't it? So we'll have a look now. Uh, we'll go over to News Hub in just a moment. I'll be there, 25 minutes to 6. America's ready to kick some alien ass. Now, excuse me while I go back to gathering roadkill for my all-natural fur bikini collection. No. Got to stay fashionable while saving the planet one flattened possum at a time. <laughs> Okay, horrible. Uh, Whitera resident disappointed after local gas station gets rammed. I'll have a quick look at that. That's just come through this morning. Was it? Was it late last night? Yesterday, a man who went to get a coffee, I think, as far as I know, at the Whitera gas station is disappointed after he pulled up to the aftermath of a ram raid. The uh, Whitera BP 
in the northern part of Taranaki region was photographed with smashed windows and glass covering the whole entrance of the doorway. Ram made a coup at about half past three. It's always about half past three. Why don't the cops just get more cops out there at half past three <laughs> instead of being tucked up in bed with the wife or the girlfriend or whoever? Or some bloke. Uh, this was at 3.30 on Saturday, and uh, the vehicle was reported as stolen. Uh, police responded to reports of a ram raid at the commercial address of McLennan Street near Brown Street. Police spokesman told News Hub. Now, the Waitra resident, he drove in, oh, blah, blah, blah. He said, I turned up for a coffee. Is that it? Two people, oh, they have arrested them. Two people have been arrested in relation to the ram raid. Uh, McDonald, he told News Hub that he was happy to hear, that's the guy that wanted the coffee, and couldn't because he couldn't get in there for all the glass. So let's hope the justice, he's quite right too, he says, let's hope the justice system doesn't let them back on the streets anytime soon. I wouldn't count on it. They'll lock up Billy Tikahika for organising a peaceful protest. They'll lock him up for I don't know how many years or months he's going to be away for, quite a few months. Just ridiculous, isn't it? They'll put someone away for sharing a URL of the Christchurch um, shooter that everyone's seen. <laughs> We've all seen it. Uh, and we and we can see that it's got some real problems to it. I mean, for one thing, when he walked into the mosque, um, there was a cartridge case already there on the floor. It was like, what was that, take two, take three? So it was obviously pre-recorded. And apparently it's come out in the court case last week that uh, it wasn't live at all. So it's a lot of weird things going on. And also they were having a sort of like a, a military-style type thing. Either, either police from all over the world were gathered, so it would look quite normal to see someone in fatigues running around with weapons, wouldn't it? Because they were doing manoeuvres uh, in Christchurch at the time. All seems very dodgy to me. And the big cover-up, and this Christchurch call is all about covering up government crime, I believe. I believe we've got criminals and uh, I think we've, uh, we're, we're, um, we're just puppets for the world government. And these world, they play for keeps, these people. Very nasty indeed. Okay, we're back on News Hub now. And uh, what have they got? They've got Tiwata Aura. Now, what's that? Again, Tiwata Aura. That's the hospital ward, isn't it? Coronavirus. No, more propaganda. So they want you frightened, scared stiff. They urge high-risk people to protect themselves as the latest COVID-19 wave sweeps New Zealand. So more absolute bullshit from the globalists trying to frighten you into... They want to get you to take another jab, don't they? Some more of that poison so that you will just continue to be dying off. That's what they're doing. And we'll go over to NZ Doctors speaking out with science as well. And uh, I'll have a look at that. But anyway, Tewata Aura, which is the New Zealand Health Department, they're urging high-risk people to protect themselves against the latest wave of COVID-19 sweeping the country. It's nowhere near. It's just rubbish. Director of Public Health Dr Nick Jones says, wastewater results, really? This is all just mumbo-jumbo nonsense. Uh, case counts and deaths suggest New Zealand is experiencing an increase in COVID-19 cases. So you've got people out there wearing masks already. More than 5,800 confirmed cases. Yeah, I, I don't believe any of this, has confirmed this week with more than 200 people hospitalised with the virus. It's all scare. Now, what's the idea of it? Well, here it is. This is what they want you to do. They want, he says, that at-risk people should make sure that they are up to date with their COVID-19 booster and use antiviral medications. Uh, just rubbish. If you go to Dr. Sam Bailey, um, go to here. I think she's on Rumble. Or you can go to Dr. Sam Bailey, that's just D-R, Sam, S-A-M, Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, and dot com. And just go there and watch some of those videos. Go to Rumble, I think. They're pretty good, because she's banned on YouTube. You can find her on YouTube, but she just does trailers. Look, I've got one here, I think. Um, where are you, Sam? Uh, uh, hang on, I'll just do a quick uh, quick search, just very quickly. Just um, uh, Sam 
see if I can find her. Uh, no, it's Sam Hunt. Oh, no, that's no good. S Sam Edwards. No, not you, Sam. Sam Edwards. Oh, maybe I don't have her. Oh, well. Okay, we don't. I'll, I'll try and I'll dig her out anyway. So she does these trailers promoting, um, I think she's on Odyssey and she's on Rumble. So she does, you know, the full video. She can't put it out on YouTube because she was just uh, basically taken down, trying to cover, you know, trying to stop her from speaking the truth. She's a doctor, her and her husband, 30 years experience between them. And they know what they're talking about. She's also co-author of Virus Mania. Now, there's a book, 10 bucks. You can get that on Kindle. 10 bucks. I'll tell you what, by the time you get to Chapter 3, you'll be convinced viruses don't even exist. Uh, anyway, so they just want you to get the booster so that you can continue to they can pretend they can continue to pretend that you that people have got long COVID because all the vaccine injuries are you know that's that's what they're saying that long COVID and all these people um, that have got all these you know sort of long COVID sort of thing blah 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 um, it's actually just vaccine injured that's what they are and so that's they've done it for decades they've done it for a hundred years people with um, the flu. For example, in 1918, that all the people that had been vaccinated with earlier vaccines in the wealthy countries, um, they were the ones that uh, were dying. And people that were never vaccinated, they were the ones that didn't weren't really affected, and they were able to help people that were dying and you know sick people in 1918. And uh, so, but it's all there. And she's, uh, as I said, um, uh, Sam Bailey. She is a co-author of the incredible book, Virus Mania. Each and every one of us need to read that. And you say, well, oh, I don't believe you, Grant. I believe viruses do exist. They do exist. And um, no, they don't exist. There's no evidential foundation that they actually do exist. It's, and I believe, this is Grant's idea, I believe that, that viruses were invented to cover up medical misadventure, to cover up the uh, terrible effects of the pharmaceutical drugs that they pump into people. You know, like, for example, you're going in for an operation and the anaesthetist there will give you some, some uh, you know, he'll anaesthetize you. And the next thing you know, you go back and you, all of a sudden you've got a heart murmur. I believe that's how that sort of stuff happens. And so most of the most of the terrible things, you know, that children being born, you know, de deformed, it's all because of um, pharmaceutical drugs. And I can tell you this, uh, according to Steve Kirsch, and I know I keep repeating, I know I, know I repeat this a bit. So he's the fellow, Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H. He writes about COVID mitigation policies, vaccines, neurological diseases and conditions, corruption within the government and censorship, which is happening, isn't it? And early treatments. He says the data shows that vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and driving the epidemic of neurological conditions. And he's done the research, but people don't want to see it. It's vaccines. I'm telling you, VD and vaccines are the two main causes of disease uh, in this world. And Hahnemann says that, you know, he didn't have much hope. That's Samuel Hahnemann, the homeopath, the father of the modern homeopath, homeopathics. He says, I can't see much of a future. And that was back in 1820s. He was worried about the future of the world with the miasms that people were getting just from sexually transmitted diseases. And then what do we do now? Well, we suppress those sexually transmitted diseases with, uh, with antibiotics. What do they call it? Um, um, penicillin. Uh, that was supposed to be the miracle drug, but it's not at all. It doesn't actually work. All it does is suppress. The, all, the, all they can give you is suppressants. So if you suppress anything, it just goes deeper into the organism, deeper into your body, and starts affecting your vital organs. When things present on the skin, that's like the little red light on the dashboard in the, in the vehicle telling you that you're, you're running low on oil 
you know, or you're, you know, you're running low on water, you don't pull it out. You don't take it to the mechanic and get him to rip the light out, do you? No, you find out what the problem is. But we don't do that here. We suppress it. So in other words, it's like, it's like saying, oh, OK, we've got the red light on or we'll fix that. We'll just um, either pull it out or just put something over it so you don't, it doesn't bother you while you're driving. <laughs> oh, no. Things that present on the skin, the least of all organs, skin is an organ, that's the sign. That's when you need to take notice straight away and say, what's causing this? Don't suppress it with betnovate and all the other rubbish that's just going to make you really sick long term. And I told you about my friend who was an airline pilot. He had uh, athlete's foot, you know, which like tinea, not tinnitus in the ear, but tinea between the toes. And he had um, he had that. And what did he do? He went he went to the chemist and he got some um, lamisil cream, put that, pushed that off in his toes. It's a suppressant, and it uh, oh it took it away. All right. Uh, then he had an epileptic seizure coming into land, and that was the end of his career as a commercial airline pilot for Nelson Airways, I believe. That was the end of that. I'm not sure which airport he came into land at, but uh, he hasn't flown since, and he's a, he was a very depressed after that. I was his flatmate for a while in Nelson, and uh, you know, it was a, he's a broken man actually, and he doesn't, and probably to this day, I've lost track of him. Uh, but and I didn't know anything about homeopathy then, uh, but now I do know a lot about it, you suppress a skin eruption and you're going to have all sorts of trouble, it can kill you and I remember when my daughter we before we, we'd studied homeopathy we took. she had a rash, she basically just had measles, okay, she had measles caused by the by the because um, she had a first lot of um, immunisation, we didn't know anything about, about it, we just went along with it, you know, get, get the child vaccinated, and so we did so we just did what we were told, jumped through the hoops we weren't we weren't awake at all, so we took her to a uh, doctor, and the doctor said, "Oh no!" And I thought, you know, and I had a bit of money, so I thought, "No, stuff this. We're going to find out, get get to the bottom of this." So, I booked her into a specialist, a skin specialist in Rimuera, there along that strip Rimuera Road. Took him in there. I think it was about five hundred bucks later. Um, he he wrapped her legs. He he covered her. She had uh, the rash, which is basically just measles. We found out later from an old nurse in the hospital. <laughs> Um, he, he covered her legs with um, betonavate, then he wrapped them with cellophane, you know, cling form, cling wrap, glad wrap, we call it here, wrapped, and then he was, but he was very concerned about it, so concerned that he even came to the hospital. Uh, and I said, why, why, why? He said, oh, well, we, we've had some problems, you know, <laughs> you know some, sometimes people react really badly. Yeah, I'm not, you're no kidding. He could have killed her. Uh, now that we know, and these books have been around for 200 years. If he'd, if he'd read what's to be said for the other side instead of just following the allopathic method, which is sorcery, pharmakia, translated sorcery in the King James Bible, uh, he would have known, but they don't. They're, not, they're just interested in making money, 15, minute, 15 minutes and a couple of hundred bucks, and um, that's, that's how it works for those guys. They're just um, money hungry. And I know that because I had a friend of mine. Uh, he was... Um, Back when he was training, about 20-something years old, he was training as a med student. I said, what are you going to do, mate? I won't mention his name. And uh, he said, oh, I don't know. I think I might become a skin specialist. Oh, I said, why is that? And he said, oh, because you just keep giving them creams. They, um, they don't get any worse. And, uh, of course, they don't get any better. They just keep coming back for more. Actually, because I just think as a society, we always talk about how men are awkward, but I think women were just as awkward. We just get away with it. Because, you know, we're like pretty and stuff. So the guys, guys don't even care if you're awkward. But, okay. So women filter out men below six foot. That is the most common pick on the dating apps. Is they just, so if I was a dude, I would lie. I would lie on dating apps. I would absolutely lie. Because the thing is, he is right. Women will 
date shorter, but it, it, the shorter guys kind of have to have something to make up for it. But the issue with trad cons is I just think a lot of trad cons are, are a bit oblivious to just how picky the women are. 13 to 6 here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards here till 7 o'clock. Uh, okay, we're going back over now. I'm going to leave that because I'm getting a bit tired of fake stream media. So I want to go and bring you to your attention, New Zealand doctor speaking out with science. Now watch out for nzdsos.co.nz because it's like a spoof website, probably financed by the government, uh, and they are spreading disinformation. Whereas the nzdsos.com, they're the good doctors, the ones that were fired and the ones that left uh, during the time of the pandemic. Okay, so um, they say, why don't the anti-vaxxers just move on now that it's 2023? And a lot of people are out there saying that, aren't they? Why don't you just move on? Forget about it, you know. They don't realise that we're actually in a war. We are in a war, and you can't just move on. If you're over the back of, you know, uh, fighting, you know, in behind enemy lines in Germany, or or, um, let's say we say Italy somewhere, um, let's do that one up the coast there. The Monte Cassino has just been taken and now you're in the second div and you're in there fighting. You can't just stop. You've got to keep fighting because the war's not over. Anti-vaxxers know what's at stake. They certainly do. They know that this was never about health. They know their history, their psychology. They can read journal uh, uh, articles. Uh, they know that the big agenda is playing out. They know that all the tools which enabled this are still in place and are being strengthened as others move on. They know that Dr. Ashley Bloomfield has been representing New Zealand at the WHO, the World Health Organization meetings, to contribute to this strengthening. They know that people are still dying and being harmed, and they know that the government's still pushing to get your jabs. And these fake reports are coming out talking about um, COVID-19, you know, all new wave and all that. That's just designed to keep, keep you going, keep you getting poisoned. They know this, that people are still dying and being harmed. Anti-vaxxers know. They know that until the harm is acknowledged, treatments can't be considered, nor justice sought. And the world can't move on. And we're not moving on. We're not friggin' moving on until they've acknowledged what they've done to us. And so we know, I'm an anti-vaxxer, absolutely, you too right I am. I've been one well before, well before COVID. And they know that there will be ongoing ramifications for years, if not for decades or generations to come. They know that the worldwide all-cause mortality rate is rising, birth rates are falling, and something is killing us off. We know this. They know that people who, are, who have colluded to cause this damage and death are still in positions of authority and knew what they were doing. They knew it. Five to six. News at six. They know there is more to come and it's only a matter of time before the next pandemic is declared. The anti-vaxxers can see the surveillance cameras being installed. They can see the 5G towers being erected. They can see the AI taking our jobs. They can see the move to impose digital currency and digital IDs. They can see the censorship doubling down, Christchurch call and all that rubbish. They can see the managed retreat shepherding us into smart 5, 10, 15 and 20 minute cities. They can see the geoengineering of the skies. They can see the food supply being restricted. They can see race relations being set back 100 years. And they can see down microscopes. We're not stupid. And they can see biological absolutes like sex, which they call gender, which is language. It should never be used in, to do with biology. And natural immunity being uh, disappeared. Anti-vaxxers have come to realise 
Realize real lies, L-I-E-S. Medicine is controlled by Big Pharma. Judiciary works for the government. Media is state propaganda. Education is brainwashing. The financial system is designed to keep us poor. And police aren't protecting the people. They know that we are at war. Anti-vaxxers, sit up, take notice of them, because they're there fighting for you. They understand that only when all of us collectively, as a group, say no, can they start to move on. Until you connect the dots and join them, they're fighting for you. That's what anti-vaxxers are doing right now for you. Three minutes to six. Cost of power is making it almost a luxury item. Wow. Really? Is really? That, I didn't realize it's that expensive. Australia has so many natural resources. I mean, even if you go the fossil fuel route, uh, the electricity should be very cheap. There are Australians today wondering if they can even turn on their lights. There are Australians today wondering, um, well, should we go without some food? Sure. In, in, that's just not something you would ever expect. I did not expect that. All right. Okay, that's Elon Musk, if you weren't too sure who that was. Um, Middle East here, pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli gatherings at Auckland call for ceasefire and release of hostages. Well, we release the hostages and then they might ceasefire. And they're not carpet bombing, you know, like Patrick Henningsen from TNT, who's just an anti-Semite Roman Catholic, Patrick. Patrick. The Catholics always name their kids after the saints. Peter, Mary, Joseph, Patrick. And, of course, Patrick wasn't, wasn't actually a Roman Catholic anyway, St. Patrick. Okay, let's look at... We're still over here at News Hub, and we've got the Auckland's filthiest D and E-grade restaurants. Most of them are Asian, Asian restaurants, and I noticed they've taken all the names of them down last week, and I was going to read them out. They've got the names of these filthy Asian restaurants, mostly Asian. Some of them aren't. Some of them are sort of um, Middle East, but uh, mostly Asian. And so that's the trouble when you open up the borders and you just allow a whole lot of uh, people into your country that aren't like us. No one asked us 40 or 50 years ago, what kind of people do you want us to import into the country to, to work alongside you? Well, they should be bringing in people like us. But the globalists don't want that. And the reason why they don't want that is because they want disharmony. Why? Why do they want disharmony? Well, so that we're all fighting one another. Crime increases. We've got nothing to fight for, nothing to be proud of. We lose our patriotism and we're much easier to manipulate. And also, as crime increases, which they want, that's why the police aren't doing what they should be doing. And the courts aren't putting people away. They're putting them on home detention and stuff like that. And they go out and do more killing. And then that, that makes us say, do something. And so we do. They do do something they bring in surveillance and that's not the answer but that's why they're doing this that's why they don't bring in europeans and british people like us people from uh, from america and canada and and the united kingdom people like us with uh, with um, um judeo-christian principles that's what they should have done and then we'd have an incredible country be like japan they don't allow it. They don't allow Islamic people, I don't think, to come in. Not very many, anyway. Pretty tough to get in there. But we're opening our borders, basically. We're just filling our country up with um, Muslims. And, you know, some of them are fine. But you can guarantee we're going to have problems. You're going to be sitting in your, sitting in your car in the, at um, McDonald's or KFC, which I wouldn't go near because it's disgusting food. Very bad for you. Um, oh, news coming up. In just a moment. Oh. 
We've got news now. Here we go. Bombardment saying the Gaza Strip had become a graveyard for civilians, including children, journalists and UN workers. I'm deeply concerned about clear violations of international humanitarian law that we are witnessing. Ground operations by the Israel Defense Forces and continued bombardment are hitting civilians, hospitals, refugee camps, mosques, church and UN facilities, including shelters. No one is safe. Gaza is becoming a graveyard for children. Hundreds of girls and boys are reportedly being killed or injured every day. More journalists have reportedly been killed over a four-week period than in any conflict in at least three decades. More United Nations aid workers have been killed than in any comparable period in the history of our organization. The UN chief also took aim at Hamas and called for the immediate release of hostages. At the same time, Hamas and other militants use civilians as human shields and continue to launch rockets indiscriminately towards Israel. I reiterate my utter condemnation of the abhorrent acts of terror perpetrated by Hamas on 7 October and repeat my call for the immediate, unconditional and safe release of hostages held in Gaza. Nothing can justify the deliberate torture, killing, injuring and kidnapping of civilians. The Secretary General said the need for a humanitarian ceasefire is growing more urgent with every passing hour. The protection of civilians must be paramount. The parties to the conflict and indeed the international community face an immediate and fundamental responsibility to stop the inhuman collective suffering and dramatically expand humanitarian aid to Gaza. And Israel's president has blasted Hollywood star Angelina Jolie after she strongly condemned the IDF's bombardment of civilians in Gaza. The Oscar-winning actress hit out at Israel for engaging in what she said was the deliberate bombing of a trapped population. Also a special envoy to the UN High Commission for Refugees, the movie star said Gaza has been an open-air prison for nearly two decades and is fast becoming a mass grave. But speaking with Pierce Morgan uncensored on Monday, Israel's president rejected the actress's claims. I think she's never been in Gaza, she's never been here, she never went to visit and see the facts on the ground. TNT's Patrick Henningsen says more influential voices are breaking their silence on the conflict. Finally you're beginning to see some courageous voices, especially from Hollywood, now stepping forward to call out what's clearly massive crimes against humanity being perpetrated by the state of Israel. One of those is Angelina Jolie. She was very quiet at first to condemn the actions of the Israeli occupation forces, but now she's come out with some very strong words indeed. She talks about having civilians trapped in what American military would call a kill box. If you use this term they used in places like Fallujah in Iraq, where massacres were carried out by the U.S. military in their operations. Similarly, Israel is doing the exact same thing here, indiscriminately using their military to kill civilians. And now the evidence is in and some of the top human rights advocates around the world including those at the International Criminal Court are now zeroing in on Israel's war crimes. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. 
From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. I think it's super important for young women to understand the reasons older men want to be with you. They are looking for somebody to easily control and manipulate someone that will look up to them. Now, the brutal truth is the 24-year-old is hotter than you, more attractive than you, more feminine than you, less bitter than you, more fertile than you, better than you in almost every single way. Men don't want to deal with you. You're 40 plus years old. <laughs> you have emotional damage basically written on your forehead. You're a pain in the ass to be around. Oh, that's true. It's, uh, come on, it's true. It's uh, five past, is it? Yeah, five past six here. <laughs> Breakfast. I'm not sure how that slipped in. Sometimes I just people send me stuff and I don't even check it. I just chuck it straight in. Anyway, the highs at the moment, the extremes, the highs and the lows and the windiest places. Milford's still pouring down there. 10.1 millimetres of rain in Milford Sound. That's the wettest place of the whole the whole place is wet as a shag, isn't it? You know those shags that dive in and catch a fish and <laughs> I love that saying. Uh, the windiest place is Castle Point. They've got 61 kilometres per hour of wind blowing through Castle Point. The lowest temperature is the Rangitaiki, 1.8 mil, uh, 1.8 degrees at the moment, and Dunedin's the warmest, 17.6. Temperatures right across the country seem to be pretty much double digits everywhere except for Stewart Island and places like um, where else? Oh, Eastern Rangitaiki. Oh, and Timaru, that's pretty cold. But everything else is all up in the double digits, except for Masterson. It's even colder there now. An hour ago, it was 9 degrees. I'm telling, I'm telling you, John Ansell, 13 degrees in Wellington and 5 degrees in Masterson. It's a cold hole. I don't know why anyone would have lived there. And there it is. I'll take a screenshot and send it to you. Palmerston North, 14. Yep, so there we are. And it's a bit cold up in the north, too. Whangarei and Kaitai are both on 8 degrees. There's short forecast for all of the North Island, except for Manawatu to Kapiti. Mostly fine weather today, some good, good, because um, lots of people will be wanting to get onto firewood here in New Zealand. You've got to get onto it. You don't want to do it when it's too hot, you know, like February, January, February, cutting firewood. And it's not going to dry in time anyway, so you've got to be onto it now. And they're all trying to get onto it, but we had just too much rain. So I hope we don't have too much rain coming, um, because we've got to get that firewood done. And, uh, yeah, anyway, but what would be ideal is if you actually were two years ahead, so you're cutting firewood now for um, the winter of 2025. That would be a more sensible thing, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Anyway, mostly fine in the north, except for Manawatu and Kapiti. Uh, you've got some morning cloud in the west, that's about it. Manawatu to Horawanua and also Kapiti, cloudy periods with a few showers near the ranges. For Nelson in the South Island, also Marlborough and Canterbury, high cloud increasing and scattered showers developing in Nelson this evening. For Buller and Westland, mostly cloudy, a few showers turning to rain with heavy falls about Westland. In Fiordland, heavy rain. Um, you've got rain with heavy falls, and you've also got the chance of thunderstorms as well. It's going to be easing to a few showers late afternoon. Otago and Southland, rain becoming persistent in Southland and Queensland lakes this morning, and then easing to a few showers in the afternoon, spreading elsewhere. Thunderstorms are possible in the afternoon in Dunedin. And then finally, for the Chatham Islands, uh, you've just got periods of cloud, cloudy periods. I'll be back in a minute, seven minutes past six. It's the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Well, well, the latter part of what you just said is untrue. You don't get worse results from vaccinating. Well, I 
think you do. Okay, um, so what have we got here? We're over at stuff.co.nz. That's stuff.co.nz. And about 100 protesters are gathering. They gathered yesterday, Sunday, of the Auckland CBD, rallying against the long delays in the processing of national security checks. That's the NSC. Immigration New Zealand requires NSC to be conducted for visa and residency applicants who may pose a risk to national security, including those with links to extremist groups and espionage activities. Any of them that have got any links should just not be allowed in, surely. Stuff previously reported 1% of visas approved under the government's fast-track residency scheme had been granted to applicants from China. And China? Chinese applicants. That's Donald Trump, isn't it? I like the way he said China. (laughs) Um, Chinese applicants comprise 1% of approvals despite filing 11% of all applications. So a lot must get turned down. The third highest number of applications of any one nation behind India, 26%, and the Philippines, 18%, all heavily Muslimized countries, aren't they? Mohammedans. There's lots of them there. We've got to be careful, boy. I'll tell you what, we're making a big mistake bringing Islamic people into the country. I'm not anti them. I'm anti their activities. And uh, they are the ones, aren't they? They are the ones that are blowing people up all around the world just got to look at it and they're trying to censor that too that information and you know they're going to probably shut people like me up that are just telling the truth saying hey you know you've got to be careful you're bringing in these people I mean gosh I just I just don't think we should be we should be bringing in people like us but they don't want to do that no because they want us divided they want crime to increase they want they actually want some I think they want some Islamic terror to happen in this country so they can give them the moral high ground to bring in their full surveillance. That's what that's all about. In terms of success rate, getting back to the story, the, the it means that Chinese applicants came out 4.8% compared to Brits, 63%, Indians, 55 Well, that's good. Um, South Africans, 53 and Filipinos, 34%. Well, they have to. They have to because the, these are the problem areas. A number of applicants who spoke to staff say that they've been waiting for clearance for almost a year. Good, that's the way it should be. Uh, far longer than, than the given time frame of six months, leaving their jobs and futures in New Zealand in the balance. It's just the way it is, mate. We've got to look after ourselves. And uh, I just hope, hope we get tougher. In the opening speech to the crowd, Green Party immigration spokesperson Ricardo Mendes, he's another leftist, communist, um, he was... Um, he, what did he say? He said, countless migrants who've been, have been affected by delays. Unfortunately, I can say the only communities that have approached me with these issues are Chinese people and people from Muslim countries. Yeah, well, I don't think we should be bringing so many in. We've got far too many. We've got to, um, you know, and you should have asked us, you know, what do you want to be like? What sort of a country do you want? Do you want, do you want to be Asia? <laughs> or do you want to be an Islamic state? Because that's where we're going. We're not breeding as fast. Oh, gosh, I think we're about 1.9. We can't sustain a European or British population if we don't start breeding and not making it easy. And uh, these are the Muslims come in there. And I read a statistic not that long ago, and I think it was fairly accurate. Uh, if you, in fact, you look it up, uh, is that the one? Yeah, I think it is. If you look it up, it's called the, it was a gumball. Gumballs, you know, those gobstopper things. And he, he used that. It was like a TED talk, but they wouldn't allow him on TED because he's telling the truth. But... Um, he was talking about how, um, you know, immigrants really, you, you can't actually stop, um, what, what do you call it? You can't stop, um, what is it, when people are, uh, 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 I'll play something and get, get my thoughts together. I've forgotten what I was talking about. Richard Roberts. Thank you, Madam Acting Deputy President. As a servant to the people of Queensland and Australia, 
I call out Labor's destructive and irresponsible immigration policy that allows race-hate bigots. Oh, that goes for too long. He's very good, Malcolm Roberts. We might bring him down here and we'll play him later. And I've also got Barry Smith. I hope to get him. We can hear from Barry Smith in a moment. That's the wonderful evangelist that went to be with the Lord quite a few years ago now. Um, no, I was talking about refugees. You see, the, the, the real refugees never get a chance to come to a country like New Zealand. It's actually only the, wealth, only the wealthy people from these foreign countries like China and um, you know, Muslim countries, real refugees, we, you can't stop that. You know, they're, 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 I think they make less than $2 a day, these people. There's no way that they'll ever get to this country. We only take the best. And we call them refugees, but they're not real refugees at all. Um, they've, all, they've all got money enough to come here, and um, they're the ones that, we sh- that we're, we're taking. And you know what? Those are the ones that should be staying and helping rebuild their country, helping make their country better. Instead of coming to our country and taking our stuff, they should be making their country better. They've got, we've got young people there. We let them in. You know, if they're good, at, might be good on computers or they might be good at something else, clever, clever people, and they're leaving their countries. No, you should be staying and making it better making it more democratic, but make sure that your democracy has a constitution so it's not unbridled democracy. <laughs> that is a dangerous thing. Oh, boy, oh, boy, it sure is. Okay, so uh, now let's go back to um, we're on stuff here. And uh, so, yeah, that's the the immigrants. They're, they're, they're all upset. Oh, we've talked about that, haven't we? Yep. And um, so bullying by correction staff continued at officer's funeral, according to a family. Her name is Anika Paris, and she died of what her family believed was a stress-related heart attack. Uh, one of her bullies continued to harass people at her funeral. I don't even know if this should be on the front page. She's 42. It's, more, it's highly likely that she died because she would have had to be vaccinated to keep a job in the first place. And so it's highly likely that, that her um, injury was caused by the the uh, the the poison. Uh, now a person's been seriously hurt after a car hits a raceway wall during the motorsport festival. Uh, a person's been taken to Christchurch Hospital after the incident yesterday morning, and the officials claim that it was a slight crash and nothing out of the ordinary. But the the officials, the the hospital people, oh, it's a Mike Piero Motorsport Park. Oh, good on you, Mike. Um, so I'll just we'll have a quick look at that because you know they're trying to make out you know they do these people these rescue people they try and make oh we rescued all these people you know and, or we've um you know it was serious accident and you, you know and quite often it's not as bad as as they say it is because they're looking after their, their they want you to donate more money I suppose to whatever it is now a person has been injured they say seriously injured this is what this says in this report. Uh, in, in a crash, the, the car hit a wall at Ruapuna Raceway during a two-day motorsport festival. Emergency services were called to the Euromarquee Motorsport Park. That's the Mike Perro one. They didn't mention him. Why not? He's not involved anymore, though, I don't think. It's got, they've got some other outfit running it. It was good when he was running it, apparently. According to people that are in the know, he was brilliant. Uh, Mike Perro. But then some new people have taken over, and they're all, you know, tight-fisted. Not so good. Um... Uh, and also Ross Harvey, another wonderful real estate agent here in New Zealand, Harvey's Real Estate. He was involved at the very beginning with Mike Pirro as well and set up a lot of um, really good, uh, you know, good policies. But boy, boy, do they charge like wounded bulls. It's over 20% you have to give them. So you really, how can you sustain an office paying 20% to Mike Pirro? I don't know how that works. Gosh, I think paying 5% would be bad enough. When I was in real estate, I had a real estate company and I used to pay a licensee for Five percent, I think, or oh, it was hardly anything—five hundred bucks or something. 
per sale. Not very much, but they didn't do anything. Um, anyway, St. John's spokesperson said that the person was taken to Christchurch Hospital in a serious condition. So you say firefighters were also sent to the scene, but were not needed. The Canterbury Car Club, is host, they host the two-day speed festival at the track near Templeton over the weekend. General Manager Mark Wedderill, he said the club would not be making any comment on the accident or the incident, he calls it, and he said that it was a slight crash and nothing out of the ordinary. He disputes the police and ambulance description of the injuries as being serious and said that the person was taken to hospital under observation. The weekend festival includes races for super saloons, minis, historic Formula Ford, fantastic, and the single-seaters. And I'll tell you who's really keen on that, and that's Mike, um, I better not say his name, uh, oh, now I've just lost my piece of paper with everything that I've got written on it. I'll just play something and I'll be back in a minute. 17 minutes, coming up to 17, is it? Yes, 17 minutes past six here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast, and I've got nothing lined up to play. Here's Mickey Willis from the movie The Great Awakening, and you can see the link to that on our website, thewireless.nz. There's a link there to it. Better see it. It's only an hour and a half. be the best hour and a half you've spent this week. All of these people were kept out of the all conversation. I, all I can comment And you were there. wanting me to sign on to a, a, a social contract where the scientific method isn't being used. I'm not interested in medical pedigree. I'm interested in medical consensus. People who are highly intelligent tend to go and get a lot of degrees. Those people have spent so many years in institutions to get those degrees that they have developed a trust and confidence in not only the educational institutions, but those that support them, which are largely government bodies. And so they start from the place of, if it's told by the university, by the government, it's probably going to be true. What I've learned about science is that it's really imagined, they're looking at like a fragment of the world, and it's all they see. It's all they're looking at. The world, they don't see the world. So I think that there's a disconnect between people who are smart and have lots of degrees with actual reality, with the lived experience of nature, of life, that you don't see with people who are actually working with their hands outdoors all of the time. A mass formation typically emerges in a society when very specific conditions are met. First and for all, the most central condition is a major part of the population needs to feel lonely. say the very rules to keep people safe from the virus are doing great damage when it comes to anxiety, depression, and even suicide. And now everyone is suffering, but children are particularly at risk. The real pandemic here is the psychological warfare that's being waged on every single human being. See, if you take a human being and you put them in a chronic fear state, and you couple that with human isolation, what happens is they psychologically decompensate and live in such emotional pain that they will gravitate in an irrational way to anything that you promise them will alleviate that pain. Once people feel disconnected from their environment, they will typically start to experience a lack of meaning making in life. And under these conditions, if a narrative is distributed through the mass media, indicating an object of anxiety, and the strategy to deal with this object of anxiety, they suddenly, punk connect to one small object of fear, for instance, the coronavirus, and afterwards, people don't feel lonely anymore. They feel connected again. Let me hear if you have the Pfizer vaccine. Let me hear from the AstraZeneca. Let's hear from the anti-vaxxers. 
the new kind of social bond is highly problematic. Just because the connections between the individuals even deteriorate more and the bond between the individual and the collective becomes stronger and stronger and stronger, which makes them willing to sacrifice everything for the collective. Its health, its wealth, the future of its children, everything. Something else that is really characteristic of individuals in mass formation is that they become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. The people who are not getting vaccines, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy? Rest in peace, Wheezy. <laughs> have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Get away from Put it feet. on. Does it bother anybody else that she doesn't have to wear a mask that we all do? When are we going to stop putting up with the idiots in this country? You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. And just say it's mandatory to get vaccinated. Screw your freedom. People who do not go along with the masses are stigmatized and in the end, the masses are inclined to destroy the people who do not go along with them. And... They do so as if it is an ethical duty to do so. Getting good people to do bad things, harmful things, while thinking they're good things, it's a dangerous place to be because it looks great. You feel great while you're being used. They will sacrifice themselves and they see it as a virtue because it demonstrates their complete obedience to the cult, to the group, to perform ritualistic behavior which causes them harm. One of the most clear illustrations of this was when the leaders of the Communist Party in the Soviet Union were sentenced to death, often tortured to death, they did not object. They said things like, if this helps the Communist Party, it's my pleasure to do it. That's something that was observed in all major examples of mass formation in history. From the documentary film by Mickey Willis, M-I-K-K-I, he's the writer and director, and the documentary film is called The Great Awakening, and you can see the link, as I said before, on our website, thewireless.nz. It's there for you. Okay, it's uh, 22 minutes past six, and uh, you're listening to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards here till seven o'clock. We'll have TNT Radio News at seven, and I'll bring you the weather, see what's going on. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful day in the north, Absolutely beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky where I am here, looking out over the hills, and the, it's uh, probably one of the best mornings I've had here in a long, long time. Now, Wanganui police have found the driver of a car that was involved in a hit-and-run incident on Saturday night, which saw a six-year-old boy critically injured as he and his friends were coming back from a local park. In a statement, police confirmed that they had been able to identify and locate the vehicle and the driver uh, in the Castle Cliff area. Police want to thank the public. However, um, the, the, the story sort of went like this. So he, um, so he, was, he was struck by the vehicle while crossing at Cornfoot Street near the intersection of Rangiora Street as the group of children were walking home. The driver of the car didn't stop and the boy was transported to hospital in a critical condition. The vehicle's been described as, so we know now that they've got the vehicle, so this is, hasn't been updated. They wanted to have a look at CCTV footage, um, so it looks as though that one has been ironed out. So that's good news, isn't it? Now, there was something else here I wanted to bring to your attention. If I can find it, um, where are you? There, oh, heavy rain. Yes, we've got some heavy rain being forecast, actually. 
and uh, so there's a front preceded by a strong moist northwesterly flow is expected to move slowly east onto the far south of the South Island on Sunday. So it's bringing heavy, yesterday, bringing heavy rain to the region, according, and it is too. Um, heard, what do we have now down in Milford Sound? They had over 10 millimetres per hour of rain falling there. Gales are likely in the far south with heavy rain in Fjordland, Westland and rainwaters, rather headwaters of the Otago and Canterbury Lakes rivers. Heavy rain warning has been issued Fiordland from 8am Sunday until 5pm today. And uh, so with most of the area warned to expect about three to 400 millimetres of rain with the largest amounts about fjords. Expected peak rates of 15 to 25 millimetres an hour, according to Met Service. Thunderstorms are possible. I think we mentioned that, didn't we? And these rainfalls amount to the usual, unusually large, even for Fiordland. Uh, streams and rivers are likely to rise rapidly and damage to trails and roads are possible. Met Service meteorologist Jesse Owen said the large amount of rainfall in Fiordland could bring some impacts such as damage to roads and trails and it's definitely one to be wary of, she said. Jesse, oh yeah, look at that. Met Service has also issued a heavy rain warning for Buller and Westland regions with the watch in place from 4pm today until 9am tomorrow. Tuesday and those in the area uh, expect periods of heavy rain which may approach warning criteria. Strong winds, uh, they're also going to be uh, in the Fjordland and Southland area, Stewart Island and Clutha until about 2 o'clock Sunday so that, I think that's over. So well, funny isn't it, as further you read down the more outdated it gets. Meanwhile those in Auckland could expect uh, settled weather with a high of 19 degrees thanks to the bridge of high pressure. A ridge. Oh, it says bridge. Maybe they mean ridge. <laughs> they put a B, a B in there. Didn't check it. Surely you don't say bridge. It's ridge, isn't it? A ridge of high pressure. Yeah, of course it is. 20 of, uh, six, 26 minutes past six here with me, with the grunter. And um, I'll just see what else we've got on stuff. And then we better move across to some international news, I suppose. I think that's just about it. Dame Jacinda, Christchurch call grows, but but uh, Facebook and Google weren't there at the meeting on Sunday. And Macron's all pissed off about that. <laughs> That's all right. We know that those things that Christchurch calls just designed to silence people. They they bring in laws and they pretend it's for something else, like a smokescreen. You know, pretend, pretend it's for something else, but in actual fact, it's to actually do another job, which is to which is to cover up their dirty business that the governments have been doing uh, all over the world. Uh, shocking, shocking. Call for a ceasefire in Gaza. Thousands take to the Auckland streets. Yep, they had um, self-hating Jews out there as well. And uh, people that are pro-Palestinian, and I believe that people that are pro-Hamas should be deported from our country. They should go and live in Ramallah. <laughs> there you go. Go and see how long you go. All the gays. What about all the homos? Homos for, for um, that's crazy, isn't it? Homos for Palestine. They'd last five minutes. I don't think there'd be enough high-rise buildings in the Gaza Strip to throw them off. Because <laughs> that's what they do. You don't last long if you're a homosexual in a Muslim country, I can tell you now. That'd be the end of it. They're tougher than the Christian. We we don't kill people. <laughs> True Bible-believing Christians, we don't kill people. People get mixed up between murder and kill. There is a time to kill. If you read in Lamentations, there's a time for war and a time for peace. Right now, it's a time for war as far as the Israelis are concerned. There, it is a time for war. They've got to protect themselves. They've got to protect, you know, they were attacked. Like, you know, and I keep, I just keep saying to myself, what did the Palestinians, so-called Palestinians, just Arabs, what did they think? was going to happen to them if they attacked and slaughtered 1,400 people. They probably wanted to take more than that. 
take more than 240 uh, hostage and, uh, well, they really kidnapped them, didn't they? Innocent people, people that were non-combatants, just came in and just 1,400 people. They still haven't buried everybody. They haven't located everybody. They're still trying to identify some bodies. And that's why it took so long for Israel to react. And, uh, no, you cannot stop. Keep it going. Keep it going until you've decimated the area. I'd pull down every building, pull down the whole lot and rebuild the place. That's what I would do. And I would take full control because the Bible says that all of Gaza belongs to the Jews anyway. Then you've got these funny Christians out there that's saying that the Jews that are there now aren't the Jews of the Bible. They're not the ones that God promised the land to. I think some people think that they're the children of, um, what's the other one, the red-headed fellow, uh, um, Jacob's brother. Esau, they think that that's who he is, the baddie. And, but there's no evidential foundation for that in the Scripture. And all these people that go on about that, they're usually people with very poor understanding of Bible, of Bible prophecy. And they listen to too many um, conspiracies from unsaved people, from non-Christian people, people that actually hate God, hate Jesus. The, the three words they hate the most, these people I've found, is the Lord Jesus Christ. You just watch them when they say you're the Lord Jesus Christ and you just watch them. It's like they seethe. It's like the devils inside just go, ah, don't say that word. Don't, don't say that. I mean, the reason why it's so powerful is because he is Lord. He is God. Um, Jesus, he is fully man, fully God, fully man, and he's the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the ones the Jews rejected. And the uh, Jews coming back into the land in 1948, the Bible tells us they're, they're without a spirit. They're without the Spirit of God. You've got Messianic Jews. Yes, they have the Spirit of God, but they are basically just um, secular Jews, and they've been called back there. You wouldn't think that you would go back to a place where you've got Arab enemies all around you, but they have. Doesn't it make any sense, really, does it? You think, oh, well, go, can't we just go to America? We'll just go and set up there. I mean, they, there's plenty of land there in the States. They could go anywhere, but no, no. They've been called back into that land, and they're going there. And they feel safer there than they feel in Europe or in any other country, especially now with all the hatred towards them and the violence that's been perpetrated on these people. I mean, surely that must be a sign. The Bible says they'll be hated by every nation. All nations will hate them. Why? Because most people are of their father, the devil. Most people are satanic. They don't realize it. They just think it's normal. Some people have no idea why they hate the Jews. You know, they go, oh, they're terrible Jews. And then you ask them and you try and pinpoint what it is. And they, uh, they got really no answer. It's just like the blind bleeding the blind. My friend Dennis Hall said his sister hated the Jews. She's dead now. She knows the truth now. <laughs> Anyway, she he said that um, she had, and he said I, I I talked to her. I said, why do you? Why is it? And she couldn't give him an answer as to why she hated the Jews. She didn't. There was no logical reason. Of course, one of Dennis's wives was Jewish. He said just the most delightful people, you know, married into them, and just delightful, highly intelligent, and we know that. And I believe that the reason why they're so rich and why you're all so jealous of them is because they're they're rich. They've got money. Why have they got money? Because they've been given intelligence. They've got the highest IQ at any race in the world. The Ashkenazi Jew has the highest IQ, higher than the Asians who are pretty high in their IQ. And we're way down the bucket list. (laughs) Not bucket list, but we're way down the list when it comes to, you know, we're barely above room temperature compared to the Jews. And that's why they're so wealthy, because they're so intelligent. 
God's blessed them with brains, and yet they can't see that Jesus is the Messiah. You can open up the Old Testament, you can show them Psalms, and you can find the book of Psalms by just opening the Bible in the middle. There's the Psalms. And then you look for Psalms 22. Everyone reads Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's the one they read out at the, you know, here at funerals and stuff, I don't know. But Psalms 22 describes Jesus Christ, what he's thinking on the cross. It says that they gather, they, they cast lots for my vesture. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is the psalmist David writing this stuff, but he's writing it in the spirit. The spirit of the Lord is speaking through him and he writes that out because David never suffered a crucifixion. Jesus Christ did. And so there it is there for them. And you can show them that and they go, oh, yeah. just it's, they're blind. They've got intelligence, highly intelligent, but they can't see it. Take them to Isaiah. That was a thousand years before Jesus was born. That was written in the Psalms. You can take them to Isaiah 53, which is about 700 years before Jesus came to earth. It says, Isaiah 53, that was the one that the eunuch was reading when Philip was sent to the chariot to tell him about Jesus Christ. And he became a Christian, you'll remember. Isaiah 53, 700 years before Christ was even on, on, the, on the earth. And they, they read it. it was, it's just, you just read it for yourself. It's Jesus Christ, a lamb to the slaughter, before, like a lamb um, before his shearers. He was silent. And he allowed them. He could have stopped them. He could have stopped them. He, he could have called down millions of trillions of angels. Who knows how many there are to stop them. He could have stopped them with one angel. But he didn't. Why? Because he was paying the penalty for your sins and mine. Because he was perfect. Fully God and fully man. He had to become one of us to walk with flesh and blood, the same blood that we have in our bodies. So he wasn't some superman. He became lower than the angels for us. God himself came to earth and became lower than the angels because we committed sins in our bodies and he came and bore the penalty to buy us back as a ransom. so that we could have eternal life with him. That's what he wants. And he just wants you to love him back. Because right now it's unrequited, isn't it? Horrible. When you love someone and they don't love you back. And that's what God wants. He says, if you love me, obey my words. That's what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Collectivism on an international level is essentially known as globalism which is often promoted as a framework for unity and sustainability. Under the guise of philanthropy, the leaders of the globalist movement leverage every possible crisis to advance their plan to replace national sovereignty with a one-world government. We are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. What does it need to master the future? It is the globalists who are behind the destructive new methods of control, like ESG. The acronym for Environmental Social Governance. Similar to China's social credit score, ESG is a ranking system that tracks a company or country's carbon footprint as well as its commitment to diversity and inclusion. A low ESG score can lead to severe consequences, including reputational damage, legal and regulatory actions, 
and loss of investors and bank credit lines. Within the last decade, numerous nations and thousands of major brands have been coerced to adapt to the ESG program, and today, many of them are paying the price. In 2018, the World Economic Forum published an article on its website entitled, How We Will Make Sri Lanka Rich by 2025. That article was removed once it became known that food prices in Sri Lanka had nearly doubled and that millions of their citizens were facing starvation. Now what caused this? Farmers protested and asked the government to work with them on slowly improving farming practices to be more environmentally friendly rather than implementing harsh bans. But the government was more interested in maintaining a high ESG score with its creditors like BlackRock. As a result, food production dropped drastically, with farmers expecting crop losses of 85%. The country had to begin spending money on importing food when it was previously self-sufficient. Sri Lanka is a cautionary tale. What's happening there could be a foreshadowing of what's in store for us if we don't take heed and learn some lessons. The Dutch government was one of the first to sign on to the ESG system. Dutch farmers pleaded that the rush to adapt to extreme new regulations would result in the destruction of the country's food supply. The Netherlands is the second largest agriculture exporter in the world, earning the title of the tiny country that feeds the world. A collapse of their system could trigger a global food crisis. Yet, the Netherlands prime minister continued to persecute Dutch farmers until they were forced to revolt. Where do you find still such a prime minister in the world? You find it in the Netherlands, and it's Mark Rutte. And remember, too, the Netherlands is the pilot program of the World Food Hubs, and the World Economic Forum has assigned to the Netherlands what they call this global secretariat, using ironically a communist term for it. Klaus Schwab's golden pinup boy, Prime Minister Mark Rutte, is busy fulfilling the agenda of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset by turfing farmers off their own land. Perhaps the most important lesson I've learned in my years as Prime Minister of one of the world's most outward-looking trading countries is that national interests are often best served by international cooperation. Schwab has sold this idea because they're up against the wall. Okay, you have all these governments that are basically broke. So what will happen is if they defaulted, then all the people have lost their pensions, they've counted on it, and they're going to be storming their palaces with pitchforks. Schwab has sold the idea that, well, we go towards Marxism and you can still retain power. None of these net zero climate schemes work without massively disrupting or even destroying the lives of the little people. If you think about what created wealthy people wealthy throughout the many years of our human history was the ownership of land. And you have governments right now that are looking to take ownership of real estate and it's happening everywhere. And you have this movement of individuals kind of going like, hey, like people should never profit off of real estate. And unfortunately, that ideology is what the government is using to take control. If we look at data from 2001 to 2015, there is a slow and steady trend towards more corporations owning single family homes, apartments, office spaces, and less and less individuals actually owning real estate. Blackstone Group actually recently raised a record of $50 billion to take homes from American families. During the pandemic, 
when all people were ordered to lock down indoors, why did governments around the world make exceptions for mass protests? We've all heard the term fire sale. In this case, it's not a metaphor. When a community is damaged by protests, the value of local properties plummet. Investors then gobble up the devalued real estate for pennies on the dollar. In many cases, the leaders of the decimated communities receive kickbacks for allowing this transfer of wealth. Big companies and investment firms swooping in and buying up some of the only affordable homes in your neighborhood. The more you have individuals not own their own home, the more you have individuals not financially independent, creates more dependence on big financial corporations that profit off of mass people. So we are going towards a world where the people are owning nothing. I always say, like, if we, if we don't own anything, well, who does? Bill Gates, business magnate, software developer, philanthropist, nation's largest farmland owner. Gates owns nearly 270,000. It's a reinstitution of Marxism where, you know, communism owned all the property. In his Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx wrote, the theory of communism may be summed up in a single sentence. Abolition of private property. There you go. That's what it's all about, folks. That's why they're making it difficult for the farmers not able to do what you need to do. They're bringing in these new rules now. And, of course, we know that the the foreign foreign um, uh, world health, we've got um, United Nations, all those with the Agenda 2030, Agenda 21, all that sort of stuff, it's all designed to actually get farmers off the land. They don't want uh, everyday mum and dad farmers to be farming. They want that to be the big corporations with a public-private partnership type farming. People like Bill Gates has bought up 170,000 acres of land in 19 different states in the United States. So it's the big wealthy boys are going to be the ones that do these public-private. And it's going to be horrible, really, isn't it? Horrible. And the thing I didn't like about milking, you know, when it's now done on a big scale, you know, and you've got thousands of cows being milked all at the same time, it's, all, it's just horrible. You know, you just employ all these foreign workers. They don't, you know, just don't seem to care about the animals. I mean, when when I used to visit the farm with my uncle, he knew every cow by name. You know, they knew Daisy and you know, they, they knew them all, you know, and the cows were just beautifully looked after, just beautifully and finished properly. You know, they properly milked and just, you know, get music going for them. <laughs> <laughs> milk better and he was doing town supply town supply with 40 acres can you believe that just out of Levin just north of Levin George George Criven fantastic guy gosh the kids loved him we all loved him Uncle George married to my auntie Auntie Mavis Mavis yes Auntie Mavis just lovely my mother's sister and I have so many fond memories visiting there anyway um no, it's just horrible. Um, so it's all designed to get you off the land anyway. Removal of private property. That's what it's all about. 17 to 7. And we're moving to Sky News Australia. You can find that at skynews.com.au. Jewish groups highly concerned by Foreign Minister Penny Wong's call for Israel to cease the attacking of hospitals. Two prominent Jewish organisations have put out a joint statement calling for Foreign Minister Penny Wong uh, calling her out for allegedly helping support false and harmful narratives about the Israeli Hamas conflict. That's right. The Zionist Federation of New Zealand, good on them, and the Executive Council, did I say New Zealand? Australia, sorry about that. And the Executive Council of Australia, Jewry, have published a joint statement saying that they're highly concerned by Foreign Minister Penny Wong's call for, the, for Israel to stop striking hosp- hospitals in Gaza. Speaking to ABC on Sunday, Senator Wong has urged the Israeli Defence Force to cease 
the attacking of hospitals, as if they would. You half-wit of a woman. Amid reports of, they're not doing it on purpose, I'll tell you what, and it t- turned out it wasn't, they didn't attack the hospital at all. And they're still pushing this garbage. It was a, uh, it was a Palestinian so-called terrorist rocket that blasted and didn't hit the hospital, hit the car park. That's the one they're talking about. Anyway, so sh- this is amid reports of fighting around the Al-Shia Shifa hospital complex over the past week. While the foreign minister reaffirmed Australia's support for Israel's right to defend itself from militant attacks, they're not militants, they are terrorists, love. She also repeated past statements about the need to minimise civilian casualties. Well, it's pretty hard, isn't it? Um, we did, during the Second World War, uh, the Germans didn't minimise, they just bombed willy-nilly, didn't they? Yes, they did. And we did the same. Look at Dresden. Just bombed the crap out of that, didn't we? We didn't care about civilian lives, so you know we can't talk really, can we? Look at Hiroshima. We're, all re- we're responsible for that. That was our side. We blew them to smithereens. And then we did the same with Nagasaki. So don't talk to us about civilian lives. The Australian, um, God, the the Israeli army, the IDF, and the Air Force care more about civilians and their rights in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare, according to Colonel Kemp, who should know. He's um, you look him up, Kemp K E M P. Colonel Kemp. I could play it, but I won't. Senator Wong also highlighted the fact that international humanitarian law does require the protection of hospitals, yes, of patients and of medical staff, although she acknowledged the difficulty faced by the IDF in fighting Hamas in close proximity to those sites. However, in their statement, the Zionist Federation of Australia and the ECAG, that's the jewellery thing, I mentioned it before, pushed back against the Foreign Minister's remarks, claiming there was no evidence Israel was not abiding by the rules of armed conflict. We refer to the Minister's assertion that the hospitals and medical facilities that Hamas uh, burrows itself into are protected under international law and call her and her call for Australia, for Israel gosh, sorry, to cease the attack for hospitals, they wrote. We remind the government that Article 19 of the Geneva Convention explicitly states that hospitals lose their protection if they are used for military purposes. It is incontrovertible that Hamas uses Shifa. They used Shifa and other hospitals for military purposes. And Israel has given civilians ample warning to get the heck out of there. And so anyone that's staying there are probably terrorists or um, sitting in there firing their rockets and attacking uh, the IDF as they come in to take control of the area. And they need to take full control of it. It belongs to them. You've just got to read your Bible, folks. It's all in there. It belongs to the Israelis. 14 minutes to 7. I want to hear from Barry Smith, too. I'd like you to hear from him. Let's have a little listen. This is just a short clip from Barry, the wonderful Barry Smith. Just an amazing man, gone now to be with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. One, my name is Barry Smith. I was born in 1933. According to the word of God, I may have 16 more years left. That's how you number your days. You can all have a go at that if you like. Do a simple sum. If I am a very strong sort of a person and I think I might live longer than the rest, I've done a Charles Atlas course. Who's heard of Charles Atlas? He's the man who makes the man with a puny body have a strong body. I heard of one man who sent away for a Charles Atlas course. 
And he wrote back again, he said, Dear Mr. Atlas, I have done your muscle building course. Please send me the muscles. If you think you're extra strong because you're training and doing a bit of extra work on the old body, let's have a look, you might make it a bit further. We'll put 54 from here. And we go a little bit more from 80 altogether. Four from 10, six, payback, and six from eight, two. You might have 26 years, but you don't know. You don't know. A little boy said to his mother, how old are people when they die? And mum said, go to the graveyard, son and take a piece of string and measure the graves and when you get a different length for a grave put a knot in the string and when the boy came back the string was full of knots and he said mum I have found the graves are all different lengths there are small graves there are middle sized graves there are big graves and that's why the bible says number our days and apply our hearts unto wisdom and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom why do you think you're in this meeting this morning? By the grace of God. Some of you didn't want to come this morning. You were dragged out of bed kicking and struggling. <laughs> Even I could have done with an extra hour. <laughs> the reason you're here is by the grace of God to listen to the word of God and to worship God who created you and sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. That's exactly right. Good on you, Barry. It's 11 minutes to 7, and uh, we've just got to pop back to on this day in history because we only just read the headline. That was just after 5 o'clock this morning, and so a lot of you would have come in now, woken up, <laughs> started work a bit later. And uh, so on this day, 13th of November in 1896, Mount Tongariro erupted. Uh, at 20 to 1 on this day in 1896, it's called Te Māori, a crater at the northern end of the uh, Tongariro Range. It erupted spectacularly. It continued to erupt sporadically for an, almost a year. An eruption in 1868 had, the formed, had formed the crater, which was named for the Māori woman of uh, high rank who died around the time. And the crater may have first erupted in November 1892, actually, they say, uh, when it reportedly ejected water, sand, small stones and pumice. And there was activity in other outlets in the Tongariro range, including the Narahoe and the Tongariro main active vent as well. Timari's first 1896 eruption turned the small town, a small, sorry, the small steam vent into a large crater, 100 metres long and 150 metres wide. And it lasted for about 40 minutes, emitting steam and smoke into the great, uh, huge height. Uh, f fine weather allowed onlookers to see the plume. Uh, from a distance, a fair distance away, and the southwesterly wind carried the cloud of reddish ash towards Atramuri, north of Taupo. Atramuri and the uh, the party on the slopes at the time of Tongariro, they made a hasty retreat. Residents at Otukau, uh, that's a Maori settlement immediately beneath the crater, also evacuated the area. So that happened on this day in eight. 1996 it was and also on this day of course the dreadful day 1990 small seaside township of Aramoana and near Dunedin was the scene of what was then the deadliest mass murder of New Zealand history David Gray a 33 year old unemployed Aramoana resident went on a rampage and he was mentally ill he was on the psychiatric drugs as well and that's what they um, they like to admit omit the pharmaceutical company Companies do not want you to know 
that uh, a lot of these people that go on rampages, are, well, most of them are. In America, they're all on psychiatric drugs. They're all mentally unwell and shouldn't be allowed near... They shouldn't be allowed near firearms, motor vehicles, and they shouldn't be allowed to um, have long knives, <laughs> and they definitely shouldn't be allowed in our parliament. But it seems that we've got a... We've had the last six years, we've had a parliament full of mentally unwell people. Anyway, uh, we'll get back to the story. After shooting uh, the man and his daughter, who did he... He had a bit of an argument, 33-year-old man from Aramoana, mentally ill. And uh, so he had a bit of a verbal dispute with the neighbour. After shooting the man and his daughter... Uh, he began firing at anything that moved, they say. Uh, armed with a, a scope, a semi-automatic rifle, Gray killed 13 people, including Port Chalmers Sergeant Stuart Guthrie. He was the first policeman to arrive at the scene. And police located Gray the next day after a careful house-to-house -house search. And when he came bursting out of the house with firing his weapon, members of the anti-terrorist squad, it's now called the Special Tactics Group, they shot and mortally wounded Gray. A number of people involved in the incident received bravery awards, including Guthrie, posthumously, I can never say that word, posthumously, um, awarded the George Cross for gallantry. The massacre sparked lengthy debate about gun control laws in New Zealand, which shouldn't have done in 1992. The amendment to the regulations of military-style semi-automatic, it's just nonsense. Look, a semi-military-style, a if it looks like a, a, a military gun, that's, that's nothing. You've, you, what about the other ones that don't look at? They're just hunting rifles that are semi-automatic. There's plenty of those. So it's got nothing to do with gun control. It's got everything to do with mental health. And that's what, and, and they're, usually they're on psychiatric drugs. And they say, oh, he's off his meds. No, no. If you keep taking psychiatric drugs, you will go off the deep end. And that's why we've got people that are doing crazy things all over the world. It's because of the pharmaceutical industry uh, sending people nuts. There was a movie too done. It was a um, Robert Saki's movie about the Aramoana massacre. It's called Out of the Blue and that was released in 2006 and you can they've got, if you go over to um, nzhistory.gov.nz you can see that thing. It's probably propaganda. I don't know. But it's not about gun control folks. It's about mental health. That's what we need to sort out. Too much violence. Alcohol most of the big arguments that are happening around, according to the police, it's alcohol involved. You don't have too many arguments over a cup of tea, do you? But boy, they have some arguments with alcohol. Six minutes to seven, we'll have TNT Radio News coming up at seven. Women get paid less than men. Um, maybe women aren't acting as they should. Maybe they're acting weird, so people think that they shouldn't be treated as really as men would be. How come the women make less money than men? Because probably some women in California don't really have jobs. <laughs> I like how the kids, they're trying to get these like liberal answers and the kids know. Oh, this is, I was not expecting this. I didn't watch this before. All right, so that's Pearl. Of course, you can catch her on YouTube, and YouTube are not very friendly with her at the moment. She said they're trying to get rid of her. Okay, we're looking at um, a publication that could be, you know, I don't know, take it with a grain of salt, but here it is. It's called The Expose. They write some interesting things. It says here, technologists provide the key to survive and thrive in the growing surveillance state. This is a story that's just come out in the last day. And it says here, government organisations have, be have become obsessed with invading our personal communications and drastically advancing the ever-encroaching surveillance state. The online privacy crackdown, which they claim is to be for the sake of the children, 
with online porn and all that. It's not that at all. Nevertheless, it is blatantly obvious that governments worldwide, enthusiastically aided by the big tech, are working in lockstep, threatening to monitor every single thought, idea, or creation we've ever shared on the internet, according to technologist Ramiro Romani, who says a growing number of people are determined to not let that happen and are demanding privacy and freedom over convenience. And so that's a good story. Go over and have a look at that, expose-news.com. Just look up expose, although it might be hard to find. So yeah, so it's expose hyphen that's like a little minus sign, news.com. They have some very interesting things there. What else have they got? Let's let's have a look and see what their main headlines are. Expose, November fundraising campaign. Make sure you give them some Pacific pesos as well because they all, they all need it. And also Countessman Media as well. They all need it. They're doing great work. And, you know, there's not a lot of money coming in, and we need to support them. Uh, because that's you know they're not going to get any support from advertisers because advertisers are too frightened to support them because they they might lose business. So I mean the secret the people are giving them secret donations you know with don't mention who it is. Um, you know it's the same with me. No one wants to give you any money uh, only because um, you know they're frightened, terrified. You know I I said to go oh well, I'll go I'll support oh no thanks all right. <laughs> they can't afford to lose people. They've got to be middle of the road. You know, like if I was a broadcaster, if I was going out on a community radio station, I wouldn't be allowed to say 90% of what I say, I wouldn't say. And that's why I don't want to be prostituted anymore. I don't want to do that anymore and just pretend that I'm someone I'm not. I want to just speak freely. And we all should be, not frightened to speak freely, but you can't. If you're working for um, a major... I mean, I've been fired from so, so many places just from, you know, just making little mistakes, saying things you shouldn't, you know, but they are truthful. That's one good thing. Things that I do say I, I believe are truthful. Uh, however, um, you, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to piss people off <laughs> if you want to make money because the love of money, for the love of money, is the root of all evil and we won't make a liar out of the Bible. That's what it says and it's so true. Okay, um, if you've got any comments to make or if you, know, you want to pull me up on something that I've said, you can text me through on 21 Send me through a text if you're uh, happy or unhappy or you want, to, you want me to talk about something, something I've missed or something I've said wrong. I often say things wrong. I realize that. I go back later, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later, I might hear something that I've said and I go, well, that was wrong. Often gets, you know, I'll look at something sometimes. It was, you know, 1948, which is when the, um, the Jews came back into the land that God had promised them for the first time and set up the state. And I said 1943. And I know it wasn't 1943. It's 1948. And I thought that's what I said, but no, when I heard it back, it wasn't that at all. So we do make mistakes, us old chaps. Anyway, um, so how, how harmful is my COVID vaccine batch? You can find out there an investigation of data found in the US Vaccines Adverse Events Reporting System, that's VIRS, has revealed that extremely high numbers of adverse reactions and deaths have been reported against uh, specific lot numbers. And um, so that, that, that is very good. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Doctors put climate change above patients' interest. And uh, so ahead of the GOP26 held in Glasgow in 2021, BMJ published, an, I don't know who they are, they published an editorial which urged doctors to think less about the health of their patients and more about the health of the planet. What a load of rubbish. James McPherson here, Western politicians, know what is happening and why it is happening, but refuse to tell the public. That's a story by Rhonda Wilson, and that came out just recently as well. There's 27 comments on that one. That's great. This is a fantastic publication. 
I love it. And I like the way it's laid out as well. It's easy to, to work your way around. So apparently a sleepy west, but suddenly... Uh, sleepy west, what's that? Has suddenly woken up... Oh, the sleepy west, yes. We've woken up uh, in a very dark alley with three big guys, Iran, Russia and China, who hate our guts, wondering how the hell we got here. That's... Uh, I probably should have not read that. <laughs> I should have gone there to look and see what it's about. What else have they got here? I'm just reading you the headlines. Um, we've got uh, The Great Reset, um, AI Revolution and Global Boiling, Unveiling the Secret Depopulation Plan. Uh, you are the carbon footprint they want to eliminate. A chilling plan has been uncovered that should shock you to your very core. For decades, global powers have been orchestrating a depopulation strategy hidden under the guise of public health crisis. And Dr. Peter McCullough, he's he's looks like he's writing here, is it? Yes, it is. It says here that um, he, he recently gave a speech at the European Parliament during uh, hearing hosted, a hearing hosted by the five members of the European Parliament, and the hearing was to raise awareness about the World Health Organization. Costa Rican group lost their legal appeal to have COVID vaccines banned, but vow that is just the beginning. On the 13th of September, a Costa Rican appellate, appellate judge appellate judge who ordered an oral hearing in the case of the interest of justice versus state of Costa Rica in an ordinary and uh, uh, an, an ordinary was it yes and it was filed about a year ago Bill Gates business associate reached combined 365 million dollar settlement with Jeffrey Epstein's victims New York Times reported on the 9th of November that the federal judge had had approved a $290 million settlement of a class action. That means that a whole group of you get together and take a, a lawsuit and that was brought against the sex abuse victims, uh, brought by the sex abuse victims of Epstein against J.P. Morgan Chase. I don't know why they'd be involved in it, but they, they are. Lawyers will find... Oh, news. Gosh, sorry. Porter at a rally in California. Police confirming they're treating the death of 65-year-old Paul Kessler as a homicide after he died from his injuries on Monday. The incident happened last weekend. Pro-Israeli demonstrators on one side of the street and Palestinian supporters on the other. Police say at some point a physical altercation broke out during which 65-year-old Kessler was hit over the head with a megaphone. He suffered severe blood blunt force trauma after collapsing and cracking his head on the pavement. He was taken to hospital where he later died of his injuries. And the United States publicly announced the arrival of one of its nuclear-powered submarines in the Middle East this week. Washington saying it sent the sub as a show of force to Iran. TNT's Patrick Henningsen says it's a rare announcement as the Pentagon seeks to flex its muscles in the region. Now this is definitely a serious move by the United States. They're sending a strong signal to the region, more specifically to the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is definitely flexing muscles. You don't deploy a nuclear submarine to an area. And normally, remember, these are normally not announced. You don't announce the deployment of this type of Ohio-class sub to an area. But the fact that the United States announced it, this is why this is a significant event. This is armed with a whole stock of cruise missiles, as well as the attachment for the capability of the deployment of Navy SEAL teams. So by pushing this in and around the Persian Gulf, they're really talking about an escalation here. Where is this going to lead to? And that's the question. And is this provocation going to cause Iran to make such a signal in order to state their intentions? And then where will we be heading? For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. 
The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Okay, sorry about that. We got most of the news anyway, didn't we? Hope so. Anyway, let's have a look at the short forecast, and um, well, I'll just do a quick refresh on that. While we're waiting for that, we'll have a look and see what the wonderful Duncan has up with weatherwatch.co.nz. A front is gradually pushing northwards over the South Island today. Northwesterly is ahead of the front, changing to southwest behind it. In the North Island, partly cloudy skies in the west. Taranaki to Kapiti have a few showers, but these will clear in the afternoon with cloud breaking up while a mid-level cloud breaks up in the afternoon. Some high cloud then moves on in and uh, sunny with the hot in the east, sunny weather. Northwesterly winds for most, strong though, through Cook Strait, afternoon northeasterly winds possible for coastal Hawke's Bay and Gisborne. In the South Island, cloudy with the west coast and you've got some showers, heavy rain for Fjordland. That's what's happening right now. It reaches into the northwestern area this afternoon and evening while simultaneously easing further south as the front moves northwards. Northwesterly northwesterly change, south is going to change to southwest as rain eases. Nelson and Marlborough are mostly sunny with high cloud and it uh, spits spits of rain overnight especially for Nelson and mostly sunny in the east with some high cloud and warm temperatures. Northwesterly winds as well. For Southland they see some rain developing this morning as winds change to the southwest and a few showers may reach Otago this afternoon and later this evening or overnight uh, for any remaining precipitation clears. Now, um, later this evening or overnight in the southwest uh, what is it? later this evening or overnight a southwest change moves on to Canterbury bringing some cloud and so yes, so that that is the weather uh, and I like, I like what he's doing old, uh, is it Duncan? Is that his name? The guy? Duncan Campbell or somebody? I don't know, he's good. I think they're better than weather um, Met service, I, I do the extremes at the moment, the highest temperatures actually down the South Island 17.9, where, uh, where quite often it's not that hot at all, it's um, quite often Mosgiel, gosh it's usually really cold but uh, Eastern Rangitaiki they have 4.3 uh, degrees of there and the windiest place it's eased off a little bit at Castle Point 52, was 61 uh, a couple of hours ago, 61 kilometres per hour of wind. Milford Sound, it's really pouring now. It was started off this morning at 5 o'clock at 10 millimetres of rain per hour, that is. Now it's 15 and a half, so it's really pouring down, just as the weather told us it was going to be. OK, so that's my lot, and um, I will see you uh, tomorrow morning, Lord willing. I'm just going to find something nice to play. Sarah Evans. I love Sarah Evans. Let's have a listen to her, shall we? Yes, um, before I do, um, yeah, we'll do that. We'll have Sarah Evans coming up right now. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 past 7 now. Have a great day and listen to the, the country music. If you're listening on Rumble or Facebook or YouTube or any of the others, you'll just have to whip over to one of the apps. If you look in the description now, I'll let, I'll let it run for a little bit, give you time, and then you can whip over and join the rest of us. And also, oh, yes, now what I must do is um, say hello to all our listeners, and uh, I'll just give you an idea of where everybody is at the moment. Uh, I'll just go and check that out. And uh, who have we got there? Was it... Um, see if I've got the places where they are. Yes, we're, oh, hello to the people in the Netherlands. Whereabouts are you? You're in a place called Tilburg. G'day to you. G'day, g'day. And um, I'll just go back here and see who else we've got there and say hi. Um... Oh, no, I can't really do that. Oh, let's have a look here. I'll go here... Uh, there we are. Uh, that, that's good. Yeah, seven minutes past seven, and uh, let's see if I can 
find you. Oh no, it's not giving me any information there. Okay, I've got to find a way. I'll I'll have a have another look here. Let's see, see if I can say see who these people are. Sometimes it tells me. Oh gosh, they're all over the show. United States. G'day, how are you? Who else have we got? Gosh, we've got some people some places. United Kingdom. Got some people up there. Germany. Hi, hi. And uh, who we got? India. Got some Indians listening. Hello. And Madagascar. Oh, I wonder whereabouts in Madagascar. So in New Zealand, we've currently got people in Auckland and other cities, Whangarei, Napier, Palmerston North, Wellington, New Plymouth and Tauranga, hi, hi. And the United States, we've got people there in Clifton, hi to you, and Kansas City, g'day. And Germany, where are you from over there, Brenham, Brenham and Glushuten, and, oh, uh, oh gosh, I won't even try and pronounce it, it looks like Lorn. Anyway, hi. Hi, sorry if I've messed up the pronunciation. Finland, who have we got there? Helsinki, hello, hello. And Australia, what have we got? We've got some people in Hobart. That's in Tasmania, isn't it? And also Sydney. G'day. Fiji, or Denmark, better not forget them. Denmark, Copenhagen, hello to you. And uh, Fiji, g'day, Fiji, doesn't say where you are. Thanks for coming in. Ireland, hello in Dublin. Only Dublin, what about the rest of you? United Kingdom, who have we got there? We've got people in Stonehaven. Uh, Western Super Mary, I don't know where that is. Super Mar- Super, Super Marie, is it? Super West Western Western Super Marie. I've never heard of it. Saint Lucia, is this in 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 the UK? Oh, I didn't even know those places. Forgive me. Okay, and so that's. Oh, hang on. There's more. There's no. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So g'day and thanks very much for joining us. Nine minutes past seven. So you just whip over to where the rest of you, where the people are that I'm calling up. Uh, go to Zeno FM or any of the links in there. You can pick us up. Whatever is your preference, and we'll we'll try and join more of the um, the wireless streaming as well before we uh, have our FM license. When when we get the FM license, I'm probably just I'm not going to be able to say half the stuff. I'll be struck off. So we might even just stay uh, on the internet. It might be the safest way because, you know, they're after us, aren't they? They're after me. They've got no idea where I'm located. I keep it secret. I'm in Wellington, but we Wellington, but we won't say where, will we? Eh? Miramar? No, I'm not going to tell you. Upper Hut? Could be. Willower Hut? Could be. Not saying. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. And um, I've got a great song from Sarah Eva C- Evans coming up right now. What, what country is this? You're listening to Country Reflections. <laughs>